If you must blink, do it now. Bone Tomahawk, my little flute benders, and welcome to I Like to Movie Movie, the podcast about movie movies. My name is Garrett Smith. And my name is Dan Scully, and a Bone Tomahawk to everyone out there as well. That's right. Uh, we, uh, we have returned with a special guest whose voice you just heard right off the top of the show, who's here to talk about uh, animation with us, a specific animated movie that was one of my, I think it was my number two movie of 2016, in fact. Uh, Kubo and the Two Strings, please welcome John Guy what to up? the show. How are you doing, John? I'm doing great. Excellent. Good to be here. Uh, John is an old friend of dance, a Philadelphia comedian from way back, as I understand it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hanging who, out at the Raven Lounge yep. right. all the time. Wearing his Raven Lounge t-shirt currently. Yep. Repping. Uh, and uh, currently uh, a Vancouver resident that uh, works in animation up there. Yep. That's super exciting. Uh, and so you chose Kubo and the Two Strings for your uh, premiere movie movie episode. Yes, I did. <laughs> uh, anything we need to get off our uh, get off our chest before we get this thing started? Find us on uh, Twitter. I like two yeah, movies. Number two, numeric two. Facebook.com. I like two movie for uh, past episodes. And uh, you know, leave us a comment. Throw a five star rating on iTunes and tell us uh, what movies you want to hear us talk about. And All we'll of do that. that. Yes. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Uh, and tonight we're talking about Kubo and the Two Strings, which I'm fucking pumped about. And I am. Super excited to have somebody that actually works in animation here to talk about it with. So, John, tell us a little bit just about what you do. Okay. Um, well, I animate for uh, TV shows, specifically Netflix, which is basically TV, the way it works. Yeah. What, wait, so, like, Netflix originals go through your, uh, uh, through your production house? Most of my short career has been Netflix originals. Fascinating. Are you able to say what you, what you worked on? Yeah, um, there's two shows that I'm going to mention. Yeah. Uh, Turbo Fast. What is that? Wait, that, is that Turbo the animated dog Turbo? No, Turbo was a uh, racing snail. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, snail. yeah. yeah, they made that's a movie. That's what it was. And, oh, I'm um, thinking of Bolt. Yeah. The John Travolta movie? Does, do I have that right? Yep. That's yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, Racing Snails. They made a 3D animated movie. Yeah. And then two seasons of the show. And then the other show I worked on uh, is Home, which is same thing, another oh, DreamWorks. Yeah. It's also about racing snails. Right? <laughs> Anima- yeah. Animated movie about a pink alien and a little girl. Yeah, that's right. Oh, okay. I remember that. Yeah, the I know what you're talking that. about. Yeah. I actually never saw that movie. <laughs> <laughs> I just worked on the show. Uh-huh. Yeah. The shows, I think the shows are better than the movies for the two I've worked on. Definitely with Turbo. I haven't seen Home, so I can't comment on that, but... Uh-huh. From what I understand, the show is better than the movie. Yeah. Based on the opinion of people I know who have seen the movie and worked on the show. <laughs> so, you know, biased, but what are they like twenty two minute episodes? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh what and what does Netflix do? They do like classic like twenty six episode seasons, or is it more like their other T V stuff where it's like eight to ten? Well, I don't work for Netflix. Oh right, okay. Um I don't like Netflix kind of keeps us in the dark on that stuff. <laughs> Like, we find out when our stuff is going to air the same time everybody else does. Okay. So you, like, work on things and then find out, like, a year later it's actually going to be actually, like, viewable by other people? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, When I think of animation, see, the only thing I know about how animation works on a functional level as a business, 
I just picture those like walkthrough tours of Disney World that they used to show on TV. Oh yeah, they're like, oh, here we are with the animators and stuff like that. What is, what is it that you do for the shows and like, what does that look like as as a job? Okay, so when I get, I I work on individual shots mm. and I have to do a certain amount of seconds a week. Um, when I get the shot, the background is done, the character designs are done, they're built. As in, like, the designs are finalized and they're built in uh, as flash puppets. Mm-hmm. Which means, like, a lot of the poses are kind of, like, pre-made and done? No, they're... Uh, they're or just the figure itself? It's just the figure itself. It's in a stock a stock pose. Yeah. Like, just the normal neutral pose and yep. then rotated. Yeah. So there's a different, you know, there's different views. Mm-hmm. Front, three-quarter, profile, three-quarter back and back. Yep. Maybe... Um, seven eighths, which is just off of profile. Mm-hmm. So we have those, and then I have a storyboard and the audio track. Yeah. So the storyboard is a drawing, like comic book kind of thing of what is supposed to happen in the shot. Yeah. And then of course the audio track of the characters talking and the sound effects. So mm-hmm. I have of the timing. Yeah. Is based on that. Yep. And then I. I guess make the characters move. Yeah, make them act, make them come alive. If I could be so yeah. uh, bold, See, the thing that's, that's so crazy to me about animation is like, yeah, as a kid, I would make flip books. We would do stupid stop motion with our action figures and stuff. But yeah. what ultimately got me was the patience. I don't have that patience. <laughs> I imagine you must have that patience. Like, is that yeah. a, really a thing that? Oh that yeah, you have to be patient about it. Oh, absolutely. Do you ever feel the need to just phone it in and be like, yeah, and here you just. We'll just we'll skip a couple frames there. Well, you can't you can't phone it in that way because yes. it will uh, it'll be visually apparent if you're not doing every frame. Yeah, but there are shortcuts, and the reality of production is that we have to use them sometimes. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, the way uh, some veterans have told me the best way to handle it is that you pick one shot a week to make look really good, and then the other shots you get through. Interesting, because you can't. Unless you want to spend all your time at work, you won't be able to make quota. Yeah. If you put your heart and soul into every shot. Yep. What? So when you get the sound, is it like, are you getting a full mix of voice effects and score? Yes. So you um, you kind of have a full picture, like orally, of like what is happening in that scene. And the timing of all of it. Right. It's not final. Yeah. So I can fudge things a little bit, Mm -hmm. and then they can change it later if it works better for the timing. But more or less, I have to stick to the audio. Yeah. Okay. And so that that, is that like more like the script for you to some extent? Is like the script that you're working off of is literally just like a pre-made audio track to some extent? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, that and the storyboard. Right, right. Does audio always come first? Uh, that's just in the biz in general, or is there is that like a, a thing? That is before my point in production, <laughs> so I honestly don't know. So I know yeah. nothing about animation. Yeah. I, I wonder if there's one of those rules that they're like audio first, and then we'll color over it later. If it's the other way, where it's like make your mo- <laughs> speak to the way the mouth moves. Come on. Yeah. Well, we do uh, we do lip sync, mm-hmm. which is where you have the voice track already, and then you draw the mouth in certain positions for certain sounds. Yeah. And it looks like a character is talking. Yeah. And do you think that's probably pretty standard that that's how most animation is done is is that voice work must come first and then it gets animated too? 
in Western animation, yeah, that's how it works. Yeah. In a lot of anime, yeah. you might notice the mouth flaps. Uh-huh. It just open, close, open, close, open, close, because yeah. they do the uh, animation first and yeah. then put the voices on later. Okay. That's definitely apparent even in just the, the way a final product looks. Totally. And yeah. also just the, the way that what I understand, and I, I'm not going to do it because it's going to sound awfully hateful, <laughs> but just the part of the stereotype of anime is that flappy mouth thing about it. No, oh, well, that's it's, it's a thing. It's what they do. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it's just how it is. That's interesting. I Do always you... wondered, like, what American animation looks like to an outsider. Like, is there a sameness to it that right. we, you know, sometimes unfairly attribute to anime, to Amer- American anime? I-, I would guess that at the very least, the sort of, like, Pixarization of all, like, computer yeah. animation, I bet that looks identical to, like, uh, uh, foreign like viewers. Disney has a stamp. You yeah. Know, like there's a visual stamp that you know, could be associated with yeah. it. Yeah. Disney definitely has a style. Mm. And, well, anime is originally based on old Disney. That's where they got, mm. like, Astro Boy was the first real uh, successful anime. Mm-hmm. And Astro Boy looks very Disney-ish. Mm-hmm. And that's where they... Like, he has Mickey eyes. It's where they got the <laughs> yeah, inspiration from, yeah, mm-hmm. like way back in the day. Interesting. The uh, Japanese animation industry was just taking off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, like a lot of Miyazaki cartoons, I feel like that is why they are so popular in America is because they have a very sort of like Disney, even formula to the storytelling, let alone the what, the sort of look of those compared to, I think, what we often think of as classic anime, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, and we kind of regard those at a higher level too, mm-hmm. because I think with um, with a lot of anime, like like if I watched uh, an episode of Sailor Moon, that would seem sparse to me. Yeah, you know, just because they were pumping those out. You know? yeah. Whereas like a Miyazaki film, spend a couple years on it, build it. Yeah, it's the Avengers of it. You know? like yeah, yeah. So there there is a different degree. I think a lot of the stereotype comes from, uh, you know, from like the the mass marketed mm-hmm. uh, serialized television. Yeah, I mean, I remember seeing My Neighbor Totoro as a kid and having no idea that it wasn't just another Disney movie that I was watching. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It it just has enough of that look that it 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 just felt like I was watching. Oh, this is like a this is like Mulan. It's a it's a Disney movie set in in Asia. Right. Know? Well, that's the difference. Like you were talking about between cranking them out and have a feature film where they take a lot more time on it, like yeah. the Disney movies did. That's the difference between a TV budget and a feature budget. Right. Is that you just you have more time, and probably better artists too, because you get the best artists <laughs> to, to do the feature stuff, but not necessarily. Like a lot right. of it comes down to opportunity. Mm. That, I mean, there was that big story with um, was it sausage Par- sausage, sausage party yeah. last year yeah, where that, that was in Vancouver, and that was like a pretty small animation house that got that job, right? Yeah, yeah, which was potentially how they were able to kind of walk all over them, I guess. Yeah, we don't have a union up there. Interesting. There is okay. a union in L.A. There's yeah, not a union in Canada. Gotcha. So, gotcha. Yeah, we're cheaper. Yeah. Uh, was that like a big story up where you are when that happened? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Was that the kind of thing that would make you not want to see Sausage Party? Definitely. Yeah. Because I heard yeah. a lot of people say that, and like I didn't know enough about it. Me neither. I love that movie, but uh, being personal to to what you do. Yeah, I mean, what they did to those animators is fucked. Yeah, <laughs> I, what like, did they, I I remember reading that there was a controversy, and I didn't really understand it just because I didn't know the business. As what far happened? as I understood, it was just underpaid for the amount of time that they yeah, had yeah. to put into they, it. They were underpaid. They were pressured into doing unpaid overtime. Yeah, and then they weren't credited. Oh which, right, that was the big uh, fucking thing. Up. Yeah. yeah. Because doing unpaid overtime is unfortunately pretty common in animation. Sure, especially if you're in, in a city where there's no union. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then to 
what really made that a story is that they they pressured them into unpaid overtime, which is definitely not legal. Yeah, yeah. And then they didn't credit them, which is like insults yes. on top of that. Yes. And then the article, it was a Cartoon Brew article. Cartoon Brew is uh, like an animation insider's kind of, uh, I guess, industry blog. Yeah. And the producer of that movie was interviewed, and he was bragging about how he was able to do it so cheaply. Right. And then in the comments, all the people who worked on it were like, yeah, he did it cheaply because he exploited us. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I seem to remember that was like the how it sort of became a much larger story was when that comment stream started under that article. That's yeah. wild. Yeah, and then the comments became the story. Yeah. Internet gives everybody a voice. So you got to be careful what you say. Yeah. Everybody's got a story. Am yeah. I right? Uh, oh. <laughs> Transition. <laughs> Oh, there was something I was going to say about it. Please that would have do the trans the the <laughs> transition. Blow it. I, I actually forget what it was. But well, that so. truly blew it then. So, so. it totally yeah. blew. It. <laughs> no. Oh, uh, wait. Nope. It's gone. Oh, damn it. <laughs> it's gone. I thought for sure you were about to grab it back out of the air. Well, wait, we can... I do have it. Yes. Um, I interviewed a filmmaker that uh, that made a movie that had pretty decent effects for a very low budget film, yeah. and I forget whether what it was is, is off the table or not so it. but one of the things they said was with the effects houses everybody works with the effects houses in Canada mm-hmm. and but in his mind it was less about the lack of a union it was more about there was kind of an off season mm-hmm. and because of the off season just because an effects house wanted to pay the bills they'd be like yeah we'll come to your movie for cheap as shit oh interesting and so there was that kind of like and I don't know if it had to do with it being in Canada but in not being Hollywood the yeah. season was opposite so it was like this, you know, whatever that season was, this film could just kind of pick up some work real quick. Yeah. So, yeah, that's it. <laughs> that was the that was the thing I wanted to relate. That's pretty interesting, though. I, I mean, does that sound uh, relevant to what happens in animation? Like, do you guys yeah. have like an off season where it's just like, yeah, we got to take some work? No, not, <laughs> yeah. not so. I've only been in the industry for four years now, okay. so it's not. And the four years I've been has been just going up and up and up. Yeah, okay. Vancouver's blowing up. Yeah. There's so much work right now. And it's not going to be like that forever, so right. i got to enjoy it now. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I think Netflix is only going to keep digging their their claws in deeper to that kind of stuff, so you might be in for a good good while here. It, yeah, it's looking really good. Disney just announced they're going to have a streaming service. Yes, So there's right. going more to, work. Yeah, that will only lead to more work because yeah. they're going to be competing directly yes. against Netflix. Yes. So they're both going to be throwing money around. That's pretty interesting. Now, is it something where will will enough will like an animation studio take on just one show or just two shows, or is it kind of piecemeal? Like, could one show be handled by multiple studios? Depends on the size of the show. Depends on the size of the studio. Mm. There you go. Because I feel like, am I right about this? Things like Family Guy are like farmed out to like quite a few different places because it's all like a pretty standardized set of figures and things that they're working with. I think most shows are farmed out. The show, what what I do is actually farmed out work. Right. Like I don't work for DreamWorks. Right. I work for a studio that DreamWorks hires to do their animation for their TV shows. Yes. But they happen to just hire, they happen to employ your company exclusively for those shows. No. Oh, interesting. Well, for the, the individual shows, Those yes. particular like shows, yeah. That, the production we're on, yeah, our studio yeah. does that production. But they're producing the, the more than those two things. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Interesting. But yeah, DreamWorks, they have other shows that go to other studios. Yep, so. yep. Huh, fascinating. Well, it is, it's, it's such a strange, uh, I don't want to say microcosm of just like the Hollywood machine, but it's yeah. just, it, there's so many pieces to it that you don't really think about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, growing up, it was just 
I pictured a guy drawing on a piece of paper and then drawing the same drawing a little different on the next piece of paper. And eventually enough pieces of paper stack up and they point a camera at it and a real big dude flip books them. That's how <laughs> I pictured it as a kid. It's actually not all that well, traditional animation. It's not... Paper is pretty impractical mm. nowadays now that we have computers. But yeah. the traditional animation is really not that different. Like You don't just go from one drawing to the next drawing in a straight sequence usually. Mm. Right. But more or less, that's what it's like. You draw your series and then you shoot them yep. and then you revise them and, you know, whatever. Then go, go to clean up and color, sound. Well, you should already have the sound, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Based on my experience of learning, because I went to animation school in Vancouver and I learned traditional methods. Oh, okay. Mm. Interesting. Uh, did you make any, like, shorts or anything that way? Uh, not... No, not really. Like okay. I did assignments and stuff, but I didn't make a short a short traditional. Yeah. I've done some shorts on my own, mm-hmm. but it's always a mix of digital techniques mm-hmm. and traditional. And traditional. Yeah. yeah. Huh. I saw this um and I'm pretty sure it was a co-production between Vancouver and someone else. This movie called Nova Seed. Is that a thing you're familiar with I've at all? I've never heard of it. It's like a it's like a fucking like almost like uh I love the title. Uh, it's crazy. I saw it for like a <laughs> film festival. It's a, um, it's like an, inv- it's about like environmentalism, but it's like a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? He Man. It's like almost like a He Man riff, like Captain Planet. No, like yeah, but like literally more like He Man. It's more like fucking metal and and just like big brawny dudes. There's, and there's stuff. a poster yeah. for you. Oh, that's cool. Looking. And it, yeah, it looks really cool. It straight yeah. up looks like what we all used to draw on, like our trapper keepers, like brought to life, basically. Nice, uh, which is kind of cool. Um, and it's not like the best animation or anything, but it's it's you can tell it's like, um, you know, like a, a lower budget production, basically. But what it, a runtime! Yeah, one hour four minutes. It's perfect. Does it get cleaner than that? It's perfect. Yeah, Ninety four minutes. Uh, some pretty fun voice oh, acting no. in it too. This is sixty four minutes. minutes. Yeah. yeah, I was just curious if that was because I'm almost positive that I remember it was like a Vancouver and something else co production. I was just curious if that was something that had uh, caught anybody's radar up there. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure somebody up there knows about it, but yeah. not something I've I've heard on. Uh, well, you guys want to dig I think into we Kubo? Do it. Yeah. So you chose Kubo and the Two Strings, yeah. which is a movie from it was 2016, mm-hmm. and uh, pretty big critical success. A it was stop motion feature from the studio that made uh, Paranorman, right? And there was one other uh, Coraline and, and uh, Coraline. Box Trolls. Box. Box. Oh, they made Box Trolls yeah. too. Yeah, I didn't see that one. Is that good? I actually haven't seen it. Either. Interesting. Well, I loved Paranorman. Fucking loved yeah. it, top to bottom. And so I saw Kubo uh, for Cinadelphia and felt very middling about it the first time I saw yeah. it. I thought the visuals were phenomenal. Mm-hmm. The animation was, I mean, the best I've seen. Yeah, it, yeah, it really, yeah. It's yeah. really phenomenal. Yeah. And the story didn't resonate with me. Yeah. This time, Fighting Tears. Yeah. It worked infinitely better, which I think is something that happens rather frequently, at least in my personal uh, experience with animation. Uh, oftentimes because I'm trying to mitigate how much attention I'm paying to the feet of it yeah, and how much I'm paying to the story of it. Yes. And I think I was so washed up in the feet of Kubo, which is monumental, yeah. that I didn't really even try to engage with the story on a, on a proper level. This time, because uh, you know, I, I didn't have that mitigation to make, worked a little bit better. And I think that's a little bit of my resistance to animation, but both of you loved it the first time around. I loved this movie. Do but you have that problem with animation where you have to <laughs> juggle your viewing between the feet of the actual task of that, how impressive the, the oh animation yeah. technical is? Definitely do. So 
I mean, I, I gain, when I repeat view them, I gain a, a huge uh, leaps and bounds in positivity each time. Yeah. Because of that. I mean, I know what you mean, but I, I feel like I'm always doing that with movies. Like, I'm always mm-hmm. trying. I'm For some reason, my brain is always thinking about both. Hey, is this movie working as, like, a story and characters and blah, 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 mm-hmm. but also, like, oh, the technical aspects of this and how it's met. For some reason, my brain is, like, always doing both of those yeah. things at once. So I think I'm just, like, used to watching movies that way. It is weird, like, the lie of animation in that, like, when I watch, and this is a shit example, but yeah. when I watch, like, a like a deep in the series Transformers movie, yeah, um, we call them live action because Mark <laughs> Wahlberg showed up yeah. and, you know, sat in a green box and yelled. Yeah. But those are animated movies. <laughs> you know, Practically most of what's yeah. happening yeah. is animated. But I never find myself, and those are movies that are all about feet. So maybe it's just because they're his paralady story. Yeah. But I never find myself put into a. Well, you know, what, Avengers is probably a better example. Yeah, you you're know, at least engaged with that story. story. Engaged, but yeah. there's a lot of feet going on that is, by definition, animated. Yeah. And I, I never have that problem unless something is like explicitly billed as animated. Right. Interesting. That is interesting. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. It's it's a weird thing. It's a weird separation, but I mean, it makes sense to me because it, it. I mean, it, in the case of something that's purely animated, it is start to finish from the moment it opens to the moment it closes. Something that is just making your brain constantly go, oh, somebody made this. Yes. And yeah. and and movies, quote unquote, live action movies. But I don't know. I guess because we relate to it's like, oh, I, that's what I look like yeah, when I'm on a camera. That's a person. You, yeah. yeah, you like you don't that separate. You don't. There's not that separation. That wall mm-hmm. is not quite there. Well, so, ideally, that wall should break down as you get engorged deeper into the into yes. the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you should forget that you're watching Talking Lions and The Lion King, and that <laughs> these are a series of drawings, and start like identifying with the characters. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I guess you're right. That that is probably the goal of any storytelling mode, no matter what it is, yeah. is to get you to the point where you forget that you're listening to a poetry read by somebody in a beret at a yeah. coffee shop. <laughs> you know, that was what was so weird about the, uh, the John Favreau jungle book movie. Oh yes. Yeah. So much of that is animated. Yeah. So much of that is talking animals. And I, I loved the movie. I, I really liked that movie. But one of the big issues was, with it was because the animals looked real when they spoke like, I, dude, I have the same problem. It was just a problem. weird thing. And, like, it's cool because I'm like, how do they train all these real animals to <laughs> speak English? <laughs> it's that convincing. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm like, this talking, this Idris Elba talking, you know, what was he? Was he a panther? Yeah. Or was he the. Uh, yeah. I forget what he was. But yeah. Anyway, the whole time. Oh, he's sure Khan. He's a tiger. Tiger, yeah. And yeah. It, it was like. Did I just accidentally just racist that by making him the black cat? I'm sorry. I didn't. It's he's he's a black man. Um, it's, but, uh, and but, my excuse is, yeah, I mean, it, he's he's very black. Yeah. But I love Idris Elba. Yeah. Read my Dark Tower review. He's the shining beacon <laughs> that stands out in the center of that garbage. Uh, I don't want to say garbage fire, garbage pile. <laughs> But uh, yeah, it, the whole time it was like this should be a cartoon. I agree. This should be a cartoon because it's a speaking animal. I had, that's how I felt during the previews. I never went to see the movie. I actually really like the original Jungle Book. I do too. Oh, it's fantastic! Yeah, yeah. It that has some of my favorite animation in it, and Absolutely. I think the songs in it are like really exceptional too. It's it's mm. good. But that it, it it's worth seeing. I, I actually like that Jungle Book movie quite a lot. I literally though the whole time could not something about that. I was like, if they're gonna talk. Why is why do we even need them to look real? Yeah, yeah. That's not that the, they don't need to look real. They're eventually going to talk. They can be a little cartoony. Yeah, I, I'm I'm sold. Like yeah. I'm here for the Jungle Book. I know animals are going to speak. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, from the 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 uh, trailer, it looked like the tone was very different. Yeah, because the original is kind of a silly movie. Yes, mm. 
I, I think it maintains that for the most part, but it, uh, it, it's worth seeing. It's certainly I don't think stands up to the original animated movie, but it is uh, very successful if on its own terms. This is what we're I doing think. with yeah. the Disney classics. Yeah. it's a pretty cool thing. I think know, so. It's, of course, yeah. it's not going to be successful. And the technology is yeah. undeniably impressive. Yeah. like regardless of whether it works to have those lifelike animals talking, it's undeniably impressive. Um, so I, I think it's worth seeing. Okay, yeah. Also, you get to hear Christopher Walken do the King Louis song. Uh, and by the way, Christopher Walken sings exactly like he talks. Oh, oh Which wow. means that yeah. song goes, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> you want to be like, a me, e, e, e. Uh, it's ridiculous. Nice. <laughs> you need to see it. I, that's actually the, the issue I had with that is the issue that I have. And I love them with the Nolan Batman movies. Yeah. Where they're like, oh, this is if Batman was in the real world. And yeah. I'm like, I, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> Batman can't be in the real world. He's fucking Batman. <laughs> this would never work. Yeah. Make him a cartoon. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's a talking tiger. <laughs> uh, that sounds like Idris Elba. Uh, just make him a cartoon. Yeah, yeah. Or put, or put Idris Elba in a cat suit. Yeah. Even better. <laughs> yeah. I would watch two of those movies. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so, okay, so Kubo, uh, did you choose this because you think Kubo is a great movie, or did you choose this because you think Kubo is outstanding animation? Is it a combination of the two? Oh, like, it's what's both. The, okay, it's, yeah. 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 Uh, what I really, what really draws me to this movie is that it's a, a movie about the power of stories. Yes, agreed. Which, as a storyteller, is something that really resonates with me. Yes, yeah. The, the opening scene of this movie, what is ostensibly the opening scene, uh, with him playing the guitar and telling the story to the town, and seeing the town get so enthused and wrapped up in the story and how creative he is with telling that. Obviously, it's a little fantastical, but just the idea that, oh, he's such a magical storyteller. He's so good at telling a story. He can sort of bring it to life. Uh, I love that scene. I feel like as somebody that is interested in entertaining people, that's like a uh, that is a very relatable uh, scene. It, it, it brings that power of having an audience yeah, to you, you know? Definitely does. It, it speaks on the craft of it, too, because uh, I, I want to say it's his grandmother. It's not his grandmother, but the older lady <laughs> yes. in the town. Her big thing was like, put the chicken in. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, why? It's like, because you're telling all these crazy fucking sad stories and the chicken is funny. You got to even it out. Yeah. And to, to me, that's like the kind of the purest expression of, of the movie's thesis of just like, it's not all going to be good, but even right. it out. You know, right, yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, well, and I, I love that it's a movie about storytelling uh, because that is so relatable to me, but also that it then uses that as a jumping off point to talk about a few other things that I think are like even more like even deeper and resonate more with me as it goes on. It starts as this movie that's like about storytelling, but it eventually becomes stories become a metaphor for a life lived and the idea of endings become a metaphor for death. And it starts talking about fears about death, but how we all know that a story should end. If we don't even call it a story, if it doesn't, uh, it, it then piggybacks on that idea in the very end where grandfather is revived and, and sort of alive again and everybody just starts telling him a made up story about himself but a story that makes him a better person because he's told he's good mm-hmm. like literally the power of stories is like if you can you know if you can envelop someone in love there's a pretty good chance they will return that to the world that will be the way they interact with the world i think that's like so interesting and powerful that the movie starts as hey stories are good right like we all like stories and there is a power to storytelling and then starts going deeper and deeper down that hole of like and then 
why is that? Like, why do stories resonate with us so much? Why do they mean so much to us? And then they sort of parallel them with memories and sort of like memories are stories and stories are memory. I was like, yeah, well, this, it even opens up the idea of strong like, theme. You're, yeah. living, you're living a story. So in this moment, like do the thing that that would be the story, you know, live yeah. the good life, live, live your best life. You know? Yeah. Be good, yeah. You know? And it, it advocates that without cheapening it of the idea of. Because oftentimes, like I'll I'll brush up against the idea where people are like, you know, oh, would people read your book? Right. And it's like, are you doing this to impress these people? You know, right. the idea is live the. St- it doesn't take that cheapness. Right. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, and I I I don't know. I think there's some interesting things too with the idea that like his mother and his father show up as these other characters, and so there is this aspect of imagination at play too. Um, I think partly because it is meant to be from the perspective of a child and ultimately a movie aimed at children, mm-hmm. but also because the imagination is such a, like the whole time I'm watching this, I, I have, I, I keep flashing back to my own childhood of, of the way I would turn things into stories, the way I would have to tell myself stories for things to kind of make sense to me, you know? Um, and how there's like an innocence to that, but also like that makes days good. When you can reflect on them that way, if that makes sense, when you can reflect on the day as its own little story. And, and as you were saying, Dan, like kind of if you're able to be like aware of that in the moment, make choices to make it a good story, you mm-hmm. know? Um, yeah, I, I just think there's like so much powerful messaging in this story that's so very clear and precise it's like not wishy-washy about any of this. The metaphors oh, yeah. are so clear Very that they clear. almost beat you over the head with them. Well, the great thing about the way they use the metaphors is they use metaphors right where they're using a metaphor in a way that expresses something that you couldn't just say directly. Right. We, as humans, really do define our reality through stories. Mm-hmm. And like that's like tying into memory. That's what our memories are. Right. It's not what actually happened right it's the story we tell ourselves about what actually happened Uh uh-huh and yeah they really use that theme really well yes i think especially at the end with the grandfather that i remember that scene like really rocking me the first time i saw it and it it happened again here because it almost feels outside the purview of what the movie's about like it feels like this one final twist on hey this is what this is about when they start sort of telling the grandfather an untrue story about him Mm. that makes him like a better man basically or want to be a better man that's like this final twist on this like story that they've been telling that feels almost separate from a lot of what the rest of it's about but also feels so intrinsically tied to what the rest of it's about ultimately like just this Mm -hmm. idea that stories have that kind of power that you can literally like you know uh like if a child is given the right stories they will probably deliver that kind of like positivity back into the and, world you know what is a child but the, you know it's the same thing as an old man with with no story <laughs> right, right. You know? and so it, i think that's kind of a uh that was a tool that they used in the his family's dead by the end yeah. everybody so it was a great way to have no kubo still his family he yeah as a grandfather yeah. yeah but it's also this idea that like kubo is now the adult yeah he's going to have to take care of a child of his own yeah um another thematic uh kind of thing that happens here is the idea uh, you know, it's how the beasts are unleashed at the beginning is 
you know, it's it's responsibility. Oh, yes, catching yeah. up. You know, it's this maturity yep. is you're going to have to reckon with those stories. You're going to have to figure out what they mean. And sometimes it's not good. You know, yeah. you got to paint that good story. Well, I, you know, I thought that was interesting because I, I said in the beginning of the movie, uh, at the very beginning, when Kubo's mom is basically saying, like, you can't go out at night. Mm-hmm. You, she's like laying all these things down that are like, Kubo, you need to be afraid of things, mm-hmm. which like I said out loud, like, oh, man, look at this. This is a great, like weird metaphor for parenting, because like one of the things we sort of like almost unfairly do to kids is project our fears onto them mm-hmm. and make them afraid of the world. But then the things that she tells them to be afraid about prove to be true. Like he should be afraid of those things as soon as he is out at night. But he shouldn't run from it catches things. up to. Exactly. Right. Yeah. 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 It's she has she has made him so afraid that's what he wants to do. Well, it's funny because she's doing what the grandfather did. Yeah. Uh, one of the lines early on that she says, uh, talking to Kubo, is she? I, I I'm not going to remember the specific line, but she makes a reference to the idea of like you are great because you are not perfect. Right. There's something about your grandfather wanted to live in cold hard perfection. Yeah. And her story is one that she saw the flaws of Earth and of people and of humanity and ended up saying, oh, for all the bad, it's actually so much worth it because the good's, you know, the good is that much better. Yes. You you can't have that love, that love that mortals feel without the imperfections. Exactly. Exactly. And so uh, even with, uh, even with, with. You know, uh, her her story of protecting Kubo is I want this world to be safe in one way for you, mm-hmm. and so you know she she's protecting him from that dark side, but she's also kind of becoming the thing she rebelled against, right? In terms of she's just trying to keep him from the bad when it's like no, the bad's going to have to be what informs the good. Mm-hmm. There and they also do that thing where like once she is like the monkey, which is like an interesting thing of like uh, like. I, that sounds insane to any of our listeners I, yeah. who haven't seen this movie. That's true. Uh, yeah, so Kubo has like a little toy monkey that his mother gives to him uh, that she uses to kind of like joke around with him, but also make him responsible. She sort of uses the monkey as like a, hey, I'm telling you, you can't go out at night. Ha 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 ha, cute, cute, cute. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, as the story progresses, this monkey comes to life and is Kubo's sort of protector and guide through his hero's journey. And it's pretty clear pretty immediately that the Kubo is, or that the monkey is a representation of his mother, mm-hmm. which then the movie, like, sort of 45 minutes in goes, oh, it's not just a representation of his mother, it's his mother. Yeah. Like, they get very explicit about, like, it's his mom. And I like this idea that, you know, the in, in saving his life from her sisters, the last of her life force, or whatever you want to call it, sort of goes into this monkey and we we sort of noticed that like uh, his mother has a scar over one of her eyes, and the monkey has the same scar but on the opposite eye. And I realized that the monkey is actually sort of this inverse of the mother that we know at the beginning of the movie, because the monkey, like in the beginning of the movie, his mother is very don't go out at night. You need to be afraid of these things. You should be afraid of these things. Uh, she doesn't have really any memory of her own story. But then the monkey has full memories of the story and regales Kubo with those stories. Like that's how he finally gets to hear the story of how uh, his mother met his father, um, because he she didn't his actual mother didn't remember that. It's it's monkey mom that <laughs> remembers that, mm. uh, and uh, she is also way more active and way more Kubo. You you can take action. You can be responsible for this. You can do that. You know she's like it's this sort of like part of his mother. That was lost. Right. right. Well, she starts out being more protective. And then yes. as the story goes on and Kubo demonstrates his powers yes. and grows as a character, then she grows to push him more into independence. Yes. Or not push him, but allow him more into independence. Yeah. Yeah. 
Which and I just find that interesting that it's this idea that like his mother in the beginning is uh matured into or out of like this ability to let him become his own man. She needs well, to she's be super... closed off from the world entirely. Yeah. She refuses to leave that mountain. Right. Yeah. So and it's very easy when one is secluded to just kind of forget about the world passing by. Yeah. And so you end up falling into the same patterns as others who have done the same. Yeah. You know. And she becomes like fearful and protective. Exactly. And that's what happens yeah. when you seclude. You know, you become mm-hmm. fearful and protective of of yours. Uh, and then, but then the monkey side of her that comes out or whatever is like this part of her that was lost is like that part of you that gets lost when you grow up and, and seclude and start to grow fearful and, and protective. I, I think that's really interesting that it, that it's also about this idea that like your story changes over time, mm-hmm. but you, you, you memory, you need to remember that Dude, part of your story. One of the craziest things in the world is like getting old and realizing like, who your parents are. Yeah. Oh, yeah. My parents had me when they were younger than me right now. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I think about that, and it's like, they're just, they're just fucking doing what they can to to get it done. (laughs) Yeah. And there's certain sacrifices that you make in terms of your character and certain things that you just have to mitigate in your life to make that work. It's the ultimate commitment. Yeah. And that's kind of nice that this speaks to that idea that Mom is not, you know, this uncooled, closed-off person. Yes, she is in a way. Right. But it didn't come from a desire to be that way. Right. It came from a desire of my responsibilities as a parent. Mm-hmm. You know, I have to do that so that you don't have to. Yeah, yeah. You know, we kind of, we're at a point where that movie opens where she's kind of forgetting that you don't have to. But right, right. that is a really incredible thing that, as an adult, probably resonates with me more than it would if a kid were watching this movie. Yeah. But, you know, the kid stuff is distant from me. Yeah. That I am I am curious how kids would respond to this because I was saying when we were watching it, I feel like this would have been my favorite movie when I was seven, eight, nine years old. Oh, Certain yeah. things are like that for me because my big issue with this movie when I first saw it was like, as an adult, it's too kid-like for me. Yeah. As a kid, I just don't think I'd be into it yeah. short of that skeleton scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Second time, it kind of smoothed over a little bit, but I, I think that still applies. Like, I can't figure out what kid this is for. Right, I, that's There'd what I'm... there be things that I like and there'd be things that I'd just tune out where I'm like, all right, you're just expositing at me. You know, like, or it wouldn't hit me that's what i'm questioning because like so i have distinct memories of seeing did you guys ever see the animated lord of the rings movies oh, that were made dude we watched that no. in school and that shit was awesome uh, that was I, bakshi yeah. yeah 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 i've seen scenes from it it I, doesn't hold up animation wise nowadays but, right i yeah. haven't but seen I mean, it. what an undertaking though it's, oh yeah you know, there's gonna be of course shortcuts for that it's, yeah it's gonna be can't make it perfect. I, I haven't seen it since I was a kid, but I remember, like, I think Cartoon Network, like, ran it at, like, 7 p.m. on a summer night when I was really young, and I knew they were. I remember seeing commercials for it, and I had read, my mom had read those books to me. That was, like, one of the things oh, she nice. read to me when I was a kid was Lord of the Rings. And I was like, oh, I, I have to see this. I remember, like, literally telling my parents, like, I'm sorry, I know we're eating dinner together tonight as we do every night, but I will be getting up in the middle of it to go sit at the TV and watch the animated Lord of the Rings. Were they movie. totally cool with that? They were totally cool with that. Because that's like a respected thing. <laughs> yeah. You know, like that's one of those things that's like you want your kid to And get I that remember yeah. loving it. Now again, those stories have been read to me, so maybe I was like predisposed to love it, but like I remember loving it. And certainly Lord of the Rings is not for not directed at children necessarily. Yeah, no. But it um, works for children. It does. Uh, and there's something about the high fantasy of it that would work for a kid. And I even think, like, as a kid, I had a thing about, like, enjoying, maybe not understanding, but enjoying adult themes when I recognized that's what was happening. Yes. Oh, you mm-hmm. know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Um, and, and so I do want, I feel like Kubo is something that would have worked for me, like, fucking gangbusters as a kid. But I'm also watching it now through my 30-year-old adult eyes. And I am wondering, like, is there a kid that would like this? Like, I feel like I would mm-hmm. have. 
But maybe I would. I don't know. Would I have? Like, well, what kid would? to it all. What's funny about this movie, in at least in the critical world, yeah. is that nobody seems to view it as a kid's movie. Right, right. Um, with every uh, Pixar review, there's always the side text of not only did I enjoy it, but kids are really going to resonate with this. Kids are yeah, really going to yeah, play with yeah. this. There wasn't a lot of that in the response to Kubo. That's true. Because it was just regarded as like, what a good movie as a yeah. movie. You yeah. Know, it's, th- which the, is the pretty impressive. Considered, which is a really good thing. Yeah. And it's really impressive. But it's just funny because it furthers me away from the, the answer to the question that I have about it. Yeah. Well, I um, think it's a movie that gives kids credit. That's absolutely what I, right. As, you know, mature, not adults, but, you know, mature media consumers yeah. who can handle things that go badly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And strong themes and high stakes. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Because that's like what I was thinking is like, I don't see kids' movies anymore. Because I see Pixar movies and stuff like that. Mm. They don't feel like they have the kind of stakes that this does. There's like a real excitement to the action in this because it feels dangerous. Yeah. Um, that's like what I liked most. I mean, to this day, Coraline, when I saw that in 3D, that mm-hmm. was it's still one of the best 3D things I've ever seen. But yeah. I like that story because it's like, you could have a kid watch that. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. But it, it is scary. Right. Uh, Paranorman was the same way. The stakes were real. Like, people could have died in that movie. That's, you know, it's not impossible for somebody who's not a villain to die. Right. And in Kubo, it's a little, uh, I don't want to say softer, but it's uh, it's more gentle about it. Yeah, but it, it does feel that way. You know, it feels it's more fantastical, but the stakes are still yes. real. Yes, yeah, exactly, I would agree. Exactly. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I so I, I'm just curious, like whether a kid would because I do feel like it's got the kind of humor that I think a kid would enjoy for the most part. I think there's like quite a bit of good humor in it in general, but also I think like humor that a, a kid would pick up on and enjoy. But I feel like the story itself is is pretty not like heavy, but is very adult, if that makes sense. Oh yeah, we're getting another round of beers here, folks. Um, I do think the uh, that'd be great actually, if you don't mind. Um, I I do. Uh, give me the PBR. You don't need to give me one of your land sharks. I I feel like the movie is like so much of the story feels again not heavy, but mature in a way that I wonder. What a kid would see, what a kid would see in it, you know, what they'd take away from it. Well, the the whole thing about kids' movies not having high stakes is pretty recent, if you think about it. I would agree. If you go back and watch old Disney movies, like mm-hmm. Pinocchio is fucking terrifying. Yeah, agreed. Even Dumbo has that like crazy like drugged out sequence at one point. Remember yeah. the hell sequence from All Dogs Go to Heaven? All the, oh God, fuck yes, heartbreaking. Holy shit! Even the heaven sequence in that. Like hurt me as a kid. By the way, you just added a movie to my top five list. Oh, I, I, I swear, I think I've seen that more than any other animated movie it's in my great. life. Yeah, it's absolutely. You know, a movie Jenna turned me on to. Great animated movie. Yeah, maybe not great, yeah. but whatever. Cats don't dance. What oh, the fuck is one. that? Cats don't dance. That's what well, cats don't do. The, oh, okay. the animation in that movie is fantastic. Yeah, but it's kind of over the top. There's actually a movie my animation teacher showed us in school. Really? He's like, "This is great animation." But it's too much all the time. Yeah, because it's like <laughs> oh, absolutely all the flourishes, constant motion. And if you watch one scene, you're like, "Wow, that's beautiful." Yeah. But they never slow it down, mm-hmm. so it gets exhausting. Oh, that's I mean, that's, that's like something I need to see. Yeah. yeah, that's his it's opinion. Wild, yeah, I think it was really cool. Yeah, I think it, I think he's certainly onto something. Cats um, don't yeah. dance. Well, that comes down to the question about what you know bugged me about animation is juggling the spectacle of it over the content of it right and cats don't dance is a lot of really great spectacle but because the story is trying to keep up with that and it's just punishing to de- not punishing but you know like 
you have to kind of dive into it. To make sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's visually exhausting. Yes, visually exhausting. Is the one of the term. things that uh, new animators, or one of the mistakes, I should say, that new animators make a lot, and I was guilty of this too, is that you move things too much. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. Because you can, and because you have all this time that you feel like you need to fill it with constant motion. Yeah. Whereas when you get more mature as an animator and as a storyteller, since you have such precise control over the motion, you have to learn when to make your big moves, when yeah. to kind of tone things down and like let moments sink in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, like I was noticing uh, in the, the sort of opening crowd scene of this when Kubo's performing and stuff, there's a lot of really great specificity in certain background characters, but it's the kind of specificity that is... Uh, specific to moments as well. So, like, as opposed to everybody cheering for Kubo at the same time, we notice three children cheering, and then we notice an adult right next to them begins cheering on his own. Like, everybody right. has these distinctive moments uh, that are separate from each other, so that our eyes actually focus from like one character to another. Well, it's, it's no different from reality. I mean, everything's always moving all the time, right? And uh, that's true in the animated world. But if you're focusing on flourishing everywhere you can, yeah, then it becomes you know what do that's, I watch? That's what not do I look what the at? world yeah. looks like. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've seen comic books that are busy like that, yeah. where it's oh, so yeah. fucking busy that you're just like, like it's vomitous. You can't really yeah. see. But if you save it for a splash page, and that's that one uh, in Cuba, there's that great. I'll call it a splash page. Yeah, where it's the dream with his grandfather, and oh. it has like the the sea of tile oh, as the God. as the bed. Yeah, that's something that is a the fortress flourish. rising out of that with but, like the yes. folding yeah. paper unfolding and that's something that without that restraint any one moment of the any one like area of the screen could just be really beautiful but it's happening all at once yeah with something like that i i guess you have to think of it in terms of just as a still first as yeah as an artist you want to direct the focus of the viewer Mm -hmm. right like what you're talking about how you had the kids cheer and the adults cheer yeah it's called a handoff okay animation so like you have one character who does an action Mm -hmm. and your eyes are going to be on that character right and then when you have the other character who responds, that's the handoff. So you have to do it in a way that makes it clear where the audience should look. Where their eyes should be so right. that they pick up on those motions and those... Because um, uh, like in animation, a lot of the story gets told through expressions, exactly. right? And so they, they like your eyes need to be on the expression as it's happening or you're going to miss some of the story that's being told. Mm, right. So if you have a character who's doing something important... And yeah. then another character in the scene is making big motions. Right. Then that's a bad handoff because your eye is going to go to the big motions and you'll miss the important moment that's happening with the character right. who should be the focus. Right. Are there? I, I feel like that's got to be something that drives you nuts as an animator that I'm going to look for now in movies if there's a bad handoff. You won't see it very often. Yeah. Yeah. That's like 101. It's not one oh one, but like if you're at a if you're a feature level animator, you should be getting that right. Yeah. yeah. But not just the animator, like it it goes through a bunch of other people afterwards. Like mm-hmm. your director and your supervisors will catch that. Mm-hmm. Somebody will catch it. That's yeah. the kind of thing where in uh just in any movie, I'll notice like a bad continuity where just you know, someone's leaning on their hand and then it cuts to a wide shot and their hands are on their hips. Oh, that yeah. fucking kills me. Yeah, like, yeah. Sometimes I get it. Like Scorsese, it actually happens a lot, but it's clear that he did it just in service of, well, this next take was the best take. Yeah. So we have to use that one. I don't care about that. And he's good at covering that up. But like sometimes when that happens, it's and it's a thing that I feel like, like you said, shouldn't happen. Yeah. yeah. It just shouldn't happen. Uh, no, that's something I have to watch for in my job is I have to yeah. know what scenes are coming before and after mine so they hook up. 
Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, yeah, right. Yeah. Because you're only working on a specific set of frames and right. somebody else is going to be working on the ones coming before and after. Yeah. I mean, a lot of times they'll give you a sequence. Yeah. So your scenes are... Oh, it has a beginning, a middle, and an end. They line up. Yeah. So it's like one shot, one shot, one mm-hmm. shot. And oftentimes you don't. So you have to yeah. be aware of what the other animators are doing. You mm-hmm. have to communicate mm-hmm. to make sure those hookup problems don't happen. And they right. still happen. And then we have to fix them again afterwards. Right. Mm-hmm. right. Have you ever had one where you're just like, and right here he hands the apple to the right, and they're like, uh, I have him in space. <laughs> um, what happened? Well, anything that bad should have been fixed by the storyboard <laughs> artist before it gets to us. Oh, but I've had, I've definitely had shots where the storyboard artist did not do their job very well. Yeah. And we get this sequence, and we're like, this doesn't work. These characters are in different places in all these shots. Yeah. We have to redo the storyboard artist's job. Oh, interesting. Yeah. You, you and then the storyboard has already been approved, so we have to get it like reapproved. It's yeah. It's a whole mess of somebody else fucking up and then it gets down to you. <laughs> yeah. Or worse, when you you're like halfway through the scene and you're like, Oh sh- or you've done some of the scenes. Because yeah. a scene is like in animation a scene is like a, a single shot. Right. Like a single take is a scene. So you've interesting. Okay, done yeah. some of the terminology wise. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you've done some of your scenes. And then you notice that the you get to the next scene or you see somebody else's scenes, you're like, oh, the storyboard has fucked up. Yeah. We're going to have to change everything. You're straight up missing a character that's been in all of my scenes. <laughs> yeah, like stuff like that happens. Yeah, it yeah. shouldn't. It should, be get, should get caught before it goes to animation. Right. It's a lot easier to fix in storyboards. That's interesting. This is ruining a lot of the the like romanticism I had towards animation. Because <laughs> like it's, it's doubling the respect I have for it. Yeah, yeah. But the romanticism of this magical place where everyone makes cartoons for everyone to... to enjoy <laughs> like that just sounds like a, a job frustration oh yeah i mean it's, and it's like sounds like any job yeah. it's well it's both because there are there is the magic times where oh you're of like, course yeah you're yeah. trying to impress other animators with the shots you're doing mm-hmm. and yeah then there's times where it's work so it's both that's so wild it's it's the whole like uh i mean it, but that's the way it's got to be just like the machine aspect of creativity oh, you yeah. know it really does take a team to make Really, any sort of of production like that, but you know, I, I'm, the team that it must make take to make an animated movie, an animated show, is is mind blowing to me. Oh yeah, it takes a long time. How, like, how many people are employed at your animation house? Do you know? Like, uh, just approximately, it fluctuates depending on the shows we have. We've yeah. been on a hiring spree right now. I think it's around two hundred. Whoa, okay. and that includes everybody from like sound to storyboard to no. animate. No, okay, no, a lot of stuff doesn't get done at our studio. Okay. Like, we get storyboards. So that's 200 people that are strictly working on animating things that you're delivered? No, because there's uh, coordinators. Oh, sure. Okay, and, all right. Uh, all right. There's comp- composition yeah. or compositing, which is where you take the animation, you edit it together, you put effects on it. Yeah. I don't actually fully understand what they do, but they take our shots and they make them look way better. <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting. When when something, at least in your current, current role, like something that... Uh, when something leaves your hands to go to production, how close is it to just visually with all the polish? How close is it to the final product? It's pretty close. It's pretty close. It depends on the production. Yeah, mm-hmm. but it's pretty close. Do you ever? Are you ever watching the? Sh- do you ever watch the shows first off that oh, you've yeah. made? And have you ever been just like, and there, there, that was me. Oh yeah, so, yeah. That's <laughs> gotta feel so good. Absolutely, it is. it's fun. <laughs> cool. Yeah. 
Does it happen like that, by the way? Like, are there literally moments where it's like, oh, this three seconds is something that I did? Yeah, sometimes it's less than a second. <laughs> yeah. They're like, see that splash? That was me. I read once back in the day when I used to subscribe to Disney Adventures. Hey. Did an interview with the lady that Fellow they subscriber, had, how you who doing? Was the, oh, right on. Because the Jurassic Park uh, hey, issue buddy. got me. My yeah. dad came home with it Gotta one get day. In. And he was like, oh, I bought my kid a $3 magazine. Yeah. Nope, he bought him a fucking $50 subscription. Goddamn right he did. And then I knew about every Disney TV show that I didn't care about. Yep. They And they interviewed... It was actually weird. They covered, like, Alien in it and shit. Oh, it was very, it, yeah. yeah. I do kind of remember wild, that it was, it was like uh, an entertainment magazine almost. Yes, yeah. yeah. It was. It taught me to be addicted to what we do now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They interviewed the lady who did splashes for Disney. That was her job. Fascinating. And That's it was so because funny. Aladdin was coming out. And oh, yeah. the lava bubbles and splashes. Uh-huh. And, uh-huh. like, her job was, like, splash supervisor, which, of course... <laughs> Added both to the romanticism of the animator in my head as well as to the appreciator of the craft. Yeah. But is there is there any kind of role like that where someone's particularly good? Like, you're the waterfall guy. You're the, you're the nosebleeds guy. Like, <laughs> those, uh, those are called effects artists or okay. effects animators. They okay. Effects means uh, animation that's not a character or a prop. Okay. Interesting. So okay. smoke, water, yep. fire explosions, yep. electricity. Yeah. Stuff like that is handled by effects animators sometimes. Sometimes the character animators have to do it, depending on the production. Mm -hmm. I actually really like to do effects, but it's also very time-consuming. What if uh, what if it's like so? There's a scene in Kubo where Kubo is on a beach, and so Kubo is interacting with like sand and Ugh. stuff. Oh, I hate sand. Does like an effects animator do the sand while a character animator is doing the character? I can't speak on how they would do it in stop motion. Oh, sorry. So, but uh, same, th- but but same thing applied to like what you're doing, Co- like uh, 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 what is that called? Cartooning. Animating, animating. Uh, okay, yeah. Uh, as opposed I think to stop motion is like in the back of the New Yorker. Yeah, yeah. right, right. right. Um, uh, well, I was just trying to d- yeah, differentiate no, no, it from that. stop motion. I'm glad you were handling it because I would have muffled it even worse. <laughs> don't worry. I about work it. in it, and I don't know what that distinction is like as a word. Okay. Right, right. Animator it covers both of those. I don't know what a 2D animator. But okay, so like if, a, if one word, I don't know. if a if an if a, a character is smoking a cigarette, right? And the smoke off the cigarette is certainly enough, not. Is enough yeah. turbo. Yeah, That's you, not going to happen. No, you can't have characters smoke a cigarette. But I think you we know all what I'm know yes. snails um, don't smoke. Yeah. yeah. Uh no, the way it works in the production that I'm on now is yeah. that I would do the character animation and then I would hand that off to an effects animator and they would do the smoke or the like lasers or whatever. Sure, yeah, that's or interesting. The explosions. Yeah, would that so like honestly the sand example is really interesting to me because I just feel like that's a character interacting with this. You just want to make me cringe about fucking sand. Well, just it's that's so a char- gross. That's a character interacting with its environment, and I I would think that like it's so close, to, it's so uh, affected by the character's motion that I in my head I would think like. Yeah, well, obviously the character animator would be then animating the the way the the sand moves around their feet. I feel like with or Kubo, whatever. that was just sand. Yeah, I think yeah, so. It's oh, probably yeah. just yeah. actual sand. I think so too. But I mean, this is probably I, I don't know if this is something that you would know. A movie that we talked about on the air before was was Okja from this year. Mm-hmm. And one of the things is the the main character of the story is a giant super pig. It's called, and they animated this thing into it very realistically. But what sold it? was not the animation of the character itself, but I guess the effects animation around it yeah. and how it interacted. It like uh, uh, Okja looks like a computer-animated character, for sure. You right. know it's an animated character, but the way Okja interacts with its environment makes Okja feel completely real in the real world that you're watching her So this in. is a... I haven't seen the movie. It's this a live-action movie. A combination of live-action and animation, yeah. yeah. Uh, and it's like she moves through water, 
and the water moves in ways that like I've n- never really seen in a live action movie before where I knew it was an animated character interacting with the water. Uh, people, you know, brush their hands against her in ways where it like really looks like their hand is interacting with her skin, even though it's completely clear she is not real, not in the frame, not, you know what I mean? Right. And it makes her live and exist in the frame, uh, which I know is probably very different from what you do, but I, I guess the question is... I mean, is, just in terms of, like, the way that good effects, yeah. effects animation can sell a character. Like, yeah. a garbage character can probably be soothed into effect by the effects animation around it. Mm-hmm. That makes sense, actually. because you know Yeah, I do. Because, I mean, that's, that's always the thing that we get into with CG over practical, is that yeah. practical, like, at least it's there. Yes. You yeah. know? And the effect feel the, the weight of it. Making you can, it feel like it's there, yeah. even though in animation, like... You're you're literally looking at nothing. Yeah, but yeah. you have to make it. You have to sell that to the audience. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit is a really impressive. Oh example yeah, of that. that was one that I toyed with putting on my list for later, and ultimately decided against because it is so evenly live action. But yeah, my, it was close to my top five as well, but nice. I didn't didn't include it. But yeah, the way they they did it, so they had to match. They sh- I'm pretty sure they shot it first and then animated. To that, so they okay. had to be very conscious of matching the eye direction, because uh-huh. that's super important to making things feel real. Is having the characters looking at each other's eyes, mm-hmm. and not only that, but they did a lighting pass on the characters mm. that matched the uh, lighting in the live action movie. Mm-hmm. There's a scene where Roger Rabbit n- knocks a lamp, and the lamp is kind of swinging around in the scene. So they had to animate the shadows matching Whoa. the lamp that's swinging in the scene. Wow. Whoa. Do you... Wow. Zemeckis, man. Yeah. When, when he can marry... When he can... Actually, that's funny because this is my big issue with animation. I love Robert Zemeckis. Yeah. But his biggest problem is sometimes he marries too much to the technology that he forgets the movie. Yeah. And Roger Rabbit is the purest example of him just nailing. Synthesizing yeah. those two things. And that's yeah. my big uh, bugaboo. With, uh, <laughs> thanks, Joe Bell, for that forever. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's my big bugaboo is that it, uh, it, that is a very tough line to walk. And to my own fault, not to the filmmaker's fault, sometimes I just can't walk it. Yeah, yeah. You know? That's interesting. That's crazy. I, I never even would have like considered that in, in in something like that. It's a thing you you would never notice unless it's pointed out or you're like trained in that kind of thing. Yeah. But it you notice it on like a subconscious level. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Like it makes it feel real. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we were talking about that. There's a scene in Kubo uh, where they're inside the whale and they've got like a fire going. And, you know, fire gives off that kind of, like, flickering kind of light. Keeping the consistency on that and the just the uh, continuing it from sh- shot to shot has to be a logistical nightmare. I, I know. I could, like, I imagine that's, like, partially an after effect to some mm. extent. But I have to imagine some of that had to be even done so, in though, camera. That's got to work. Yeah. That's, even the after effect has to work. Yeah. Um, the worst thing in the world, I used to try and sleep to white noise machines. Mm-hmm. When it loops, it's over. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. Over. I hate. It that. breaks the magic. And so that's the kind of thing that, yeah. with the flicker of a fire, if there's even a hint of that break, yeah. it's forgivable, but it's noticeable. Yeah. And Kubo acquits itself brilliantly at never letting that happen. Yeah. Really in any shot. It really. I would guess they did that afterwards. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. They keep their uh, they keep their cars close to their chest <laughs> on how they actually do stuff. Yeah, absolutely. As as you should. You don't want people to crack it because yeah. then it gets you know mass marketed into a thing. Yeah, and every movie looks the same. You don't want that. 
Yeah. That's I, man. I remember as a kid being like so fascinated with Ardman Studios, and they were doing. What did they do? So they are the Wallace and Gromit people. Oh, uh, ah, yeah. dude, the wrong pants almost made my list as dude. well. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, wrong trousers, wrong trousers. Yeah, that is so funny. It's so that, funny. Nothing. That, is funny that scene as that. with the train and the penguin laying down the yes. tracks. It's brilliant. Yeah. It's so funny. Yeah, and, and they, uh, you know, they went on to do um, uh, Chicken Run and Flushed Away. Yeah, right? chicken, that's what that was called. Uh, flushed Away. Right. They did do Flushed yeah. Away. Yeah, yeah. Chicken uh, Run is great. Chicken, chicken Run is Run so is good. Awesome. Man. I love Chicken Run. My, my boy, who I'm trying to get back into the good graces, that's a great Mel Gibson performance. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. That's a yeah. great Mel Gibson performance. Yeah. yeah. Say what you will about him. Yeah. The man can play an animated chicken. <laughs> sure second can. to none. Yeah. Uh, th- so they're, uh, we were like fascinated with them. And I remember at one point they were making like a pirate movie. Do you remember this? Yeah. Um, and th- this was like early internet days. And so you could like go to this blog they had where they were constantly updating it with like behind the scenes photos and little videos and stuff. And that was how we learned to do like a lot of stuff was just like following their little production blog, which is like non-existent in that world at this point. You like cannot oh, yeah. find information on how these things are made anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Well, stop motion has gone through a real renaissance with computers. Yes. Because what you used to have to do is you had a film camera, you moved the puppet slightly, you took a picture yep. with the film camera, you moved it slightly, you took a picture, and then weeks later, you get that back from the development. So yep. they process the film and you see it, and if it's not right, well, you can try and do the whole thing again, or you could just go with it. Yep. Whereas now, with everything is digital, you can shoot it, and then you can watch it, and you can see what you just shot, Yep. and... Because that's important in animation is to see the frame before the frame you're doing now. Mm-hmm. So you, it's called flipping. Like, yeah. Because uh, I'm trying to think how I would do this audio without. Because what I'm doing with my hands right now is I'm demonstrating how flipping works. Yes. So you have it's it's like a flip book. You have I was gonna two, say, imagine a flip book. Yeah, you have two pieces of paper. You flick from one to the other. You actually do this while you're drawing. Mm-hmm. Experienced animators, uh, this is. Something I try to when I I tutor I also tutor animate uh, an animation student and it's something I really had to drive home is like you should be constantly flipping while you're drawing. Oh, interesting! You should always be thinking about the frame before and the frame after and flipping back and forth between them, kind of. Yeah, sometimes even a few frames. Yeah. So you're like, because your eye will track the motion. Yeah. As mm-hmm. you're drawing, so you're seeing the motion as you're drawing it. And the better, the more experience you get, the more you can see the motion. Mm-hmm. So they're actually able to do this in stop motion now because they have the previous shot. They right. don't have to go develop it. Right. That's interesting. I uh, feel like in my head, if I wanted to make a stop motion, like it, it amazes me that more than one exists. Yeah. I feel like it takes all the people to make one and they'd be two minutes into it and we'll see it when we're 80. Yeah. yeah, I, yeah. Like it, it seems so monumental. That blows my mind. Well, Even what? with all of the bells and whistles of a digital film culture, it feels impossible. It, I mean, I know how animation works, and I can't imagine doing stop motion or like claymation. Yeah. I just imagine getting halfway through the shot and the like. I break the puppet by moving it yep. too hard. I'm like, yeah, oh, yeah. fuck it, there goes my day. Dude, yeah, fuck yeah, this, yeah. just gonna squash Gumby into the ground. That's. I remember watching. And how did they make all that fucking Gumby growing up? There's so much Gumby. Oh yeah, yeah. And they literally is. made it by just making Gumby out of clay and doing. Oh god. Well, I mean, well, yeah, they they used a lot of shortcuts like Gumby's walk where he lifts one leg and yeah, slides. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. 
What I always wanted to see in that show is when he does that, he lifts his walk and slides. He leaves like a gumby colored green line yes. behind him, and his leg is getting shorter. He just as he gets goes. smaller and smaller, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like an eraser. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But Pokey lives on with his careful steps. That's right. Yep. Uh, I do. I remember like Pokey, seeing Prickle and Goo. That's, those are the yeah. names. Because he's with band. his pals, Pokey, Prickle, and Goo. Yep. He can walk through a wall if you want him I, to. Truly, that was probably part of my fascination with stop motion when I was a kid. Had to have come from that show. I watched that show all the Remember time. when Eddie Murphy played Gumby? Yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm, Gum- I'm Gumby, damn it. Yes, yeah. that is classic. The idea that Gumby is an actual actor yeah. who, just, <laughs> who just was in the show with his Pokey, Prickle, and Goo. There's um. I'm so conscious whether this wicker chair is audible on the mic. Oh no, you're good. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah I was wondering it's, that. It's too. driving me nuts. <laughs> there's a there's a photo of the guy who did Gumby, uh, mm. a photo of his dad, and like you know how Gumby has that like angular head. <laughs> yes. Yeah. His, his dad has a haircut that looks kind of like that. <laughs> like it's Sam so Jackson good. in Unbreakable. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. I I remember seeing like a behind the scenes thing about uh, uh Nightmare Before Christmas, and uh. Uh, how you know they have like a thousand different Jack Skellington heads that are right. all these slightly different versions of his facial expressions so that you can sort of go through those you know those motions to make him smile and frown um but also that they were clay right like they i mean i, I think at least in that production probably they were um like fired and whatever so that they were not as manipulable they were more static but they did need to be somewhat manipulable. They needed to be able to do like a couple of frames with each like one. Uh, and, you know, so fingerprints end up on those things when you do that. Uh, and that's one of the things I find appealing about that movie. And that was one of the things that I think drew me into this stuff when I was a kid was how you could see the craft in the actual thing. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, like, I totally get that. Like like old Wallace and Gromit, you see that. You can see where like Wallace's head is like a little bit indented from the last time a guy had to put his thumb on it to, you know, move it or whatever. We yeah. always There's, talk about that in filmmaking, the whole idea of the limitation defining the form. Yes, yeah. Um, that's the thing that ruined Vine for me was people started being able to edit right. their vines and it's like the fun here is the limitation. Right. And I think that's a tough that's another thing that's a tough line for animators to walk is the limitation of animation is that you are you know, you have to manipulate this craft, especially yeah. with something that's in stop motion. Yeah. The freewheeling unlimited nature of animation is that you can make an animated character do something that's impossible for an actor to do. Yeah. Right. And so walking that line of flourishing deeply with you know the the freeness of the form as well as embracing the limitations of the form is a very tough line to walk and i think that's like what draw like that's what drew me to it as a kid yeah. for sure that's yeah. actually ultimately what won me over on kubo the second time yeah um you know i was i was always uh, blown away by the technical marvel of it yeah. but then the idea of what they were showing me that i couldn't see outside of this yeah. didn't resonate until this time around yeah 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 it's yeah because like you can definitely see a swashbuckling sword fight on a boat, right? Oh, like, yeah. That exists in a ton of movies. But there's something about this where I know even just as I'm watching it, like I I can see the craft mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. having to create that swashbuckling sword fight on it, the boat. They're, they're flying through the air yeah. too. Yeah. I mean, you can do that with wires, but it's not the same. Right. It mm-hmm. just it it there's something about knowing that somebody had to make this and the fact that that is very clear in the actual animation itself that makes it like really exciting to me. Like it, it just like it brings out 
some kind of like pure cinematic joy in me that I don't get out of a lot of things, mm-hmm. really. That's oh, that's part of what I like. Why I like stop motion more than 3D. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. I would much rather like honestly, every Pixar movie, if it were a stop motion movie, would be like grow in my estimation like a oh, million absolutely. times. Yeah. Well, there's things you can do in 3D that you can't do with stop motion. Hundred percent for sure. Especially the shots themselves, like the actual like camera motion and shots and stuff. In Kubo, an interesting thing is that they use 3D printing. Oh yeah, that's right. I read about that. Yeah, for like a lot of the paper models and stuff. I don't know exactly what they use it for. They use it for like the lip sync. Oh, interesting. Really, saw videos of them printing like individual faces for the monkey. Whoa! So they could be really you can do more, I guess. Probably pretty specific to like actual muscle movements and structures and stuff like that or whatever. Or it's just probably so much tighter, yeah. Instead of having to make a whole new one out of clay, you have the model in the computer. And oh, yeah. And so it, it can be perfect. Yeah. yeah. So exactly. Yeah. It can be perfect. Yeah. That's really because that was the other thing I was going to bring up is I know with Corpse Bride, one of the big differences between that and um, Nightmare Before Christmas was that by the time I got to Corpse Bride, um, they Corpse were actually Bride doesn't look stop motion because they were using animatronic characters. Yeah, so they got tired of the actual like limitations of stop motion. Yeah, where you have to be gaps. moving them yourself between every frame, and so they made these like animatronic models where they could just sort of from a computer go like, and then he moves his arm a little bit like this. Yeah, and then yeah. you know, and it gives it like a ultimately like kind of a smoother thing. You're not seeing the fingerprints anymore because mm. nobody has to touch it, mm-hmm. uh, and it does lose to me like some of that luster of the practicality that just kind of comes through. Mm-hmm. A, a great example of a live action version where stop motion was was integrated beautifully is in Evil Dead. Um, oh, in yeah. Evil Dead, when the bodies rot, right. when people I don't want to say transform, but they do sort of a decomposition mm-hmm. in, and it's mm-hmm. choppy as shit. Yeah. Yep. But because of the tangibility of it, and because of that choppiness, it takes this otherworldly nature that is broken in a way that feels realer than if it was smooth. Yeah. And, and it's it's due to that limitation, but. That's an example where it's not defined by the limitation. It's where they kind of embraced it and turned it into, you know, supernaturalness. But right. you use the medium for exactly, what you do. yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Make it a movie, movie. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. That's the thing that impresses me most about Kubo, especially talking about the way they do the faces and stuff. Is and you mentioned even Kubo's hair, the way that yep. it sways, oh, yeah. the the individual uh, hairs of a monkey's body. Yep. And they're pretty big considering it. They're not <laughs> strands of hair, right? Uh, just to be able to think about it in a, in a way that is both individual in terms of the the small hairs as well as large, mm-hmm. where it's oh we need to make a breeze blow through it. Yeah, it, yeah. that's it's another thing. It feels impossible to me. And so watching a Kubo is very easy for me to just be blown away by that and go oh I didn't listen for the last few seconds. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was just freaking out about. Well, you know? and they go out of their way to make this difficult for themselves in almost every scene. Oh, oh it's yeah. an audition reel. Yeah. Uh, as much as it is a movie. Yeah, I mean, when you get to the boat fight, that boat fight does not need to happen in the rain, yeah. in the storm, where it's windy. You know what's fascinating about that? But it's not just to show off. Too. No, it's it not. It actually fits, yeah. adds to the tension. Oh, 100% it does. That rain should be there. Yeah, yeah. oh, of course. It's My a better movie because them. of all of those things. But it's like, I love the idea that they were like, we don't have to do this. Yeah. It would be much easier to animate it if we didn't. But it is a better movie 
But we have Charlize Theron right. on board. We have to we have to earn that. It's a better yeah. movie in every respect because we do it. From a story standpoint it is, and also from a technical impressive standpoint it is, you know. When I saw Pacific Rim, a movie that I very much liked, but yeah. I didn't love. I wasn't blown away. Yeah. My big issue I, I liked that movie. Yeah. And it's, <laughs> cool, it's totally cool. It's got I I just love in it. Love him. Yes, um, <laughs> it's a live action anime. It's yes, a live exactly. action anime. Yeah. My big it's issue is Evangelion on the big screen. Finally. Yeah. If you're going to spend all the money creating these giant things, can can one battle not happen at night in the rain? That yeah, was my yeah, big issue. Yeah. And where Kubo succeeded, where I feel Pacific Rim failed, is that doing the rain was an enhancement to the scene. Whereas yeah, right. sometimes in Pacific Rim, to me, it felt like a cheat. Disguising something. Now, yeah, it's it's a it's a yeah. hiding thing. And so I'm always mad when they hide good choreography behind choppy editing or oh, hide yeah. good, you know, good animation behind, you know, particle effects and shit like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That always bugs me. And so I, I have to suck Kubo's dick for a little bit since I gave it a kind of middling review <laughs> and I'm blown away by it right now. That is one of the most impressive things about that. Yeah. Is that all of those touches aren't hiding. They're they're us us. It's the filmmakers saying, check out what we can do. Yeah, yeah. It's enhancing you know, like, in, in every way. Rain is not a challenge for us that we can't meet. Yeah. Right. To go back to something you were talking about earlier with Please. the the hair moving. Yes. That's called secondary action. Okay. So like clothing, hair, something that would drag behind a character as it moves and follow that motion and then kind of do its own motion. Mm-hmm. The way I handle secondary action personally, which is why I was kind of trying to figure this out in Kubo, is I do the main action first. I get that to look the way I want it to. And then I go back and add the secondary action afterwards. Don't think they can do that with puppets. So, oh yeah. yeah, right. Interesting. Because yeah. you have to plan like the frame rate for how the how different it is from the way the hair moves to the way the head moves. Right. Every you know? single frame would have to have all of the main and secondary actions considered every yeah. time. Uh, you wouldn't be able to like do a pass at the main motions and then a, a secondary pass at the secondary motions. I wonder if there's like an equation once. for that. Is there is there something like that, oh, like I an d- equation where it's like okay for every two seconds of this motion at this speed, if you want the hair to do this, then we have to factor it by whatever variable. I very much remember when we were experimenting with stop motion as kids, figuring out like literally doing math for like frame rates and stuff. Yeah, figuring out like okay, yeah, if I record for two seconds and make this look this way, right? Well, and and kind of figuring out like okay, we know we only have this afternoon to do this, and if we do it at ten frames per second. Um, it we will get like a much smoother looking thing, but if we do it at five frames per second, it won't be as smooth. But we could probably even that out by actually like manipulating how much we decide to move within those five frames. Mm. Like you sort of start doing math about like you know depend. I mean that's specific to stop motion and the way we were doing stop motion. But I do think that that has something to do with it. Like you, I think there is a little bit of math to like okay. Uh, we know we're shooting at whatever twenty four frames per second, and if Kubo is going to need to move, you know, three feet forward over the course of a second, how much is his hair also going to mani- be manipulated really by that much? Yeah, okay. but so, you, you know what I mean, though, yeah. right? Like, yeah, then no, how yeah. much does that affect the hair, and how much does that? I, I think there's probably got to be math to it. So, as far as frame rate goes, yeah, uh, twenty four frames a second is film. Yep. Most animation is done on um, twelve frame or twelve frames a second. Half, right? So what we call that is twos. Okay, because every drawing is on two frames because it takes half the time and it looks pretty much just as good. Yep. Uh, occasionally, you want to make something really pop. You want to make something really fast happen. Yeah. 
Or like you want to do a smear where you like blur the character. Yep. You do that on ones, so you have one frame of that. Mm-hmm. So you that don't really consciously register it, but you feel it. Yeah. Mm. Um, some anime for like really technical stuff, like when they rotate a fucking spaceship and shit. Yeah. Like they do that on threes sometimes, just because oh, it's so goddamn technical yeah. to like make it yeah. realistically doable. Well, that, I'm pretty sure they even do this in like live action uh, when they're shooting action scenes and stuff. Uh, there's like a thing called uh, frame dropping. So when you want a kick to look like it has like a lot of impact, uh, dude, the punch in Tropic Thunder, yeah, when Tom Cruise asks yes. the stagehand to punch his assistant or yep. to punch the director, they do that there. Yeah, you just and dr- it's brutal. You drop a couple frames out, and and you know not like randomly, but somewhat randomly. It's not like three frames next to each other. It's like a frame here, a frame here, a frame here. Yeah. Well, it's controlled. Two frames yeah. apart. Yep. And it just makes that motion look that much faster. It doesn't even look unreal to your eye. You know what I mean? It doesn't mm. look like frames have been dropped or something is fake. It adds like a blurring effect, essentially. And yeah. it looks like somebody just did something really fast with a lot of impact. I've actually heard the opposite on like Bruce Lee movies, that he was so fast they had to have him slow down because otherwise... He Whoa. Would, the he camera like, was like not picking it, it up, was, yeah, basically. Exactly. Yeah, that's crazy. In, um, I don't know if anyone's ever seen any Superfly movies. Uh, I've not. One nope. of the fun things about Superfly movies to look for is the way they do the fight scenes is they have people... They recorded the choreography slow, yeah. and then they speed up the film. Yeah. And so it's great because it gets a little wonky because it yeah. starts to... You can tell immediately that it's oh, yeah. there's a falsity there, yeah. like but it's Road always Warrior. in the background. Yes, yes. Road Warrior yeah, does yeah, a lot. Yeah. But it's always in the background where if they don't cut soon enough, you'll see someone just like... And, you know, a car will, will go by and, you know, those are movies that are somewhat focal on their cars and things, you know, about the set design to flash yeah. it up. And so they're playing with that and... Yeah. You know the the humor comes from the fact that it's it's hard to wield in a way that that doesn't look silly. But yeah, you know, cutting the frames out is a way to actually, you know, make art out of it. Yeah, well, and I think that's interesting that that is like somewhat how animation works, where you're you're sort of pre-planning that. You're sort of looking at like, do we do this on twos, ones, threes? Like, what's the best way to make this come across? Right. Well, it's almost always on twos. Yeah, that's um, why it sounds like that's the standard, right? Yeah. Yeah. You actually, when you've been doing it for a while, you start to get a feel like you know how long six frames is. Yeah, interesting. You know how long eight frames yeah. is. You get a feel for it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I get a feel for it when it's like, that was a thousand words. Yeah. 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 Out a thousand yeah. words, you just know like that's about a thousand. You know, yeah. if someone says, give me 1500 on this, you can yeah. you can get to a point where you're like, I'm close. You know, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know yeah. what I'm talking about. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, you just feel it. Yeah, it's it's interesting the way uh, process leads to that kind mm. of like muscle memory uh, that is, I imagine, um, inherent to uh, animation, like something that is almost required in animation. Yeah. Uh, it's that kind of like repeated muscle memory where it's just like, yes, here's a thing. Just fucking do that thing you do. And yeah, exactly. Well, if you want to do it for a job on a production schedule, you don't have time to figure it out every time. Right. On TV, a TV schedule. Right, right, right. One of the things about the old Disney movies, I don't know if they still do this, but like the old Disney movies, they would do those shots over and over and over again. Really? Until it looked the way Walt wanted it to. Whoa. Nobody else did that at the time. Yeah. And that's why those movies look so Look like they do, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, you know, when you go back and watch uh, Snow White, it is so impressive because it is very clear that these are not just like hand-drawn, these are like hand-painted frames oh you know yeah. what i mean 
and and just the smoothness of it and the, it, it's like undeniably incredible yeah and in those early days they were still figuring out the principles of animation too. right 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 they were like still kind of experimenting with like how well what do we how do we if we need a character to do this like how do we how do we do it what do we yeah. do <laughs> yeah, the stuff that you can go back and look at now and learn from, they were figuring it out, like, at the bleeding edge. Yeah, that's interesting. It is fun to think about the idea, like, all film is animation in a way, at least yeah. functionally. Yeah, right. Um, when you just think about reel-to-reel film, it is just pictures that we trick yep. our eyes into it's thinking a that there is actually... It is a flipbook. It's yeah. just a flipbook with machines. Yep. And so... I mean, I'd love to look back. I, I don't know off the top of my head, you know, chicken or egg, which came first. But I imagine that it at least simultaneously, um, just when someone thought, oh, we're... I, I think the principle of what uh, what drives film was probably informed by animation, even in terms like a zoetrope or just mm-hmm. that concept. Oh, yeah. the, the motor concept of it, we figured out before film. And so in that way, I think that animation conceptually is at least the original movie. It wouldn't surprise me if, uh, you know, as early as we developed paper, people were already figuring exactly. out the, oh, yeah. the sort of like flip. Well, when you thing. look at there's even cave drawings where they do it conceptually. Where right. It's just, you know, they, they move it and you imagine they look at it and it half creates that. Right. Yeah. Thing, you know, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and uh, you. I, I mean, I wonder. You're probably right. It's like the combination of figuring out a camera, how to how to capture an actual like the mechanics of it are the definition yeah. of animation. Yep. Before ever a photograph was introduced. Yeah, exactly. And then yeah. once you introduce the photograph, you go like, oh, we could probably make a a what becomes video. Yeah. We could probably do the same thing we've been doing. Well, with it animation, moves, but... so it's a movie. Yeah, and yeah, then yeah, it talks, yeah, So yeah. it's a talkie. A talkie. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah. I just fan. Oh God. Well, I will say that. Uh, I, I will probably have to amend my Kubo review because yeah. I, I did like it. I did not give it a right. negative review. No, I remember, yeah. But it didn't resonate thematically with me. And then this time, not only did it resonate thematically, but like deeply so. Uh, listen, which really is a cool thing. As somebody that is legitimately terrified of death and everything that surrounds the concept of death, Kubo fucking like, yeah. like really. I mean, it was my number two movie, I think, of 2016. Yeah. And in fact, it was the only movie I gave five stars to in 2016. It didn't quite make me number one, but it, it was the only one I gave five stars to. I, I it just rocked me immediately because it it you know it's a movie ultimately directed at children that is addressing something that like on a daily basis I am like struggling against. Mm-hmm in a way that it relates to something that I love more than anything, which is telling stories and entertaining people. It takes this thing I am terrified of and goes, yeah, but the thing you love is literally the same thing. Mm -hmm. And if you can connect those two things, you don't have to be afraid of that. Like Mm -hmm. That's not something you need to be afraid of. That fucking rocked me when I saw this the first time. And it literally came back to me in waves as I was watching it again. You know what I mean? Like I've already seen it. It, but it just in waves it kept hitting me again where I was like this is like legitimately speaking to me on a very deep level that goes beyond the fact that I love I love stop motion animation I grew up trying to do it I you know what I mean it, it brings back my question though of because I still don't know where I stand on it as an adult it actually really grew on me a lot yeah because of that thematic resonance yes. as a kid I still feel like 
it didn't quite zap Kapow the way that I liked I, as a kid. I know, and, I wonder. But then the question is, we keep saying this is a movie that was ostensibly made for kids. Is that even true? I, right. Because uh, yeah, I don't, I don't remember any ad campaign for No, it. this movie was I poorly promoted, unfortunately. Yeah, it was poorly yeah. promoted, very well reviewed. I, the only reason I even heard of it was because I had to review it. Yeah. And so it was just, okay, I'm going to check this out. I, it's probably, and I thought it was going to be a minor movie and then it you know becomes Oscar nominated. 97% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. That's, you know, that's no small, that's no, I was going to say no small potatoes but that's <laughs> yeah. no small tomatoes, tomatoes. and uh, and it's it's the the kind of thing that uh it just the question is what who's the audience yeah. but it's also a question that doesn't need answering because the answer is it's a good movie so yeah whatever. right yeah, exactly. i think it would be appropriate for all all audiences i do too um whereas me me as a kid yeah. might not have gotten it. Well, that's what you want. And that from might a not kid's be the movie. case for someone else. Yes, yeah. exactly. You want it to be a kids like a movie that kids can enjoy, but also adults will yep. enjoy because they got to take the kids. Yes, yep. yeah, yeah. But I, not, I mean, not just that. Like kids aren't stupid, right? Yes, exactly. People, people kind of talk down to kids, yeah. but I think kids can handle real themes. Definitely, Absolutely. kids can handle real stakes, and kids know when movies suck. Yeah, I mean, they definitely do. Granted. Not always. Yeah. I think we they all have, have a higher tolerance, but yeah, yeah if something's all, bad, they won't dick around. Yeah, we all had our movies that we watched when we were yeah. a kid, and then we watch it as an adult. They, we're like, yeah. yeah. Ugh, ugh. In general, though, like, kids, they can recognize quality. Mm-hmm. I, I would imagine, especially in animation, right? Like, yeah. that's something that they're sort of inundated with. Definitely. You know? So, like, I would imagine they actually have, like, an eye for what's appealing and not in animation. Well, I, we I, so often try to, like, pussyfoot around you know, doing heavy themes with kids. Uh-huh. And like, we always talk about like, what are the, what are the great kids movies that, that we always talk about? And they're, you know, just spitballing would be like the Goonies, the monster squad, mm-hmm. the Sandlot. Mm-hmm. And the one thing that bonds all of those is those are movies with stakes. Those are movies yeah. that don't necessarily coddle a kid, right. but aren't necessarily throwing them to the wolves either. Or like stand right. by me. Yeah. Stand by me. Uh, is the, yeah. That is Man. the best example. I fucking that is about love death. That movie. It's about pride. Yep. It's about your just, it's about everything. Yeah. That's an episode family. Of itself that we should do. Oh dude, it is one we of my really favorite should. movies. I and, love that movie. It's I, like 80 minutes. I, I wish so I could remember who said this, but uh, somebody said that when you approach telling stories to kids, you have to think of kids as adults who just have less experience. Yeah, it's interesting. Because yeah. what are, what are they? You know, it's like I was saying about when you realize your parents—they're just kids. They're that, just kids. that got old and had yeah. kids. You know, yeah. Yeah. that's that's it. And it same goes the other way. It's yeah. None of us know what the fuck we're doing. Yeah, Nobody, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've just I've just not known what the fuck I was doing for a little longer. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. It's uh, I do so. Here would be my argument. Ultimately, though, is that it is a child protagonist, right? Right. Uh, and I do think the way the humor is presented and the the storytelling is presented is very simplistic and straightforward. It's, yeah. It's, which it's in, a perfect it, execution of the hero's journey. Yes. And in general, I prefer that in movies, honestly, is that simplistic kind of like storytelling or whatever. But I do think that is... As long as it's in service of character, which yes. I think is, is overwhelmingly Definitely the case, the case here. here. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think, you know, when you're trying to tell a story to kids, that also is something you would consider and probably try. And, I, I do really think this probably is directed at children. I, th- I think that this is probably meant to be something that a kid would enjoy. I don't think it's necessarily but directed at kids, but I think it is meant to be something to, that a kid... I think that's also, too, is that... The design of this is something that now that I appreciate the craft of it, yeah, really works for me. And yeah. now that I can kind of appreciate a less bombastic design that's yes. more artful, yeah, is something that really works for me as an adult. As a kid, as a kid, it would have felt bland, interesting, just because I wasn't there yet. Yeah. And I, 
And so, like, once again, that's a criticism that is strictly to me, yeah, personally. I have yeah, trouble yeah, yeah. seeing it as bland with that fucking skeleton scene. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. There's I, nothing bland about that. I would that disagree with adventure. it at all. But yeah. as, as a kid, it's not like... My big problem with Avatar wasn't the stupid story. Yeah. It was the fact that the design of it didn't really... It, it was very impressive. Yeah. What but about like, the bad I don't want to go to... Yeah, they, they, <laughs> there's so many things wrong with that movie, but I would have forgiven all of them had the movie been something that its visual invention tapped into what I like, the way yeah. that, say, a Star Wars does. Yeah. Right. Like Star Wars taps into what I like. Yeah. Kubo taps into what I like now. Yeah. yeah. But little me is still in here somewhere, yeah. and he is bored by that. And I think that is what, what ultimately manifested the first yeah. time I saw it, that I was that able sense. to put to bed this time. Yeah. Mm. That's, you know. Well, uh, before and we it's get... a tough thing with animation, is because when you create that design, you do have to, there's a level of committal to it. I mean, yeah. with any movie, with your tone, Whatever you commit to commits, you know, you have to do it. I forgave so much of what was wrong with, um, what was that Del Toro movie about the haunted house? Oh, uh, Crimson, Crimson Peak. Peak. Because the design of that was was suited to my tastes to a T. Yeah, yeah. And so it, it, I think that's what broke me from it originally was that little Danny was like, boring. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but adult Danny was like, that McConaughey knows his way around a gag, does yeah. he not? Oh, yeah. Yeah, his comic timing was sharp. Oh, Dude. Awesome. I, he, uh, the jokes were so simple, and he carried them mm. off perfectly. And for a character that its face, his facial expressions aren't super cartoonishly expressive. Right. It's very limited. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He has got that helmet on. Because yeah. a lot of the characters had very extreme change of shape in their characters especially mm -hmm. the old lady in the beginning oh, yeah she was great yeah and then conversely the the sisters the uh the rooney mara yeah, none, twins, none at all none at all no, their mouths don't even move when they speak their character yeah. that's yeah. Their yeah. character yeah, yeah, yeah. that's Perfection. such a cool thing yeah. yeah yeah so they don't they don't emote yes but mm -hmm. yet the grandfather does emote yes when we see him because he's got these two sides right he's, yeah 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 well, at the first time we see him in the dream, he's almost drawing Kubo in, like, yeah. "Oh no, things are great. I'm I'm selling you a car." Uh -huh. Yeah, you know, very, hey, very smooth, very yeah. smooth. Yeah. And then when we see him later, it's more of a, "Oh, it's the Who am I? What am I doing?" Yeah, yeah. Oh my. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, that wasn't. That him. was he was George the other guy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was. Um, what's his line from In Bruges? Uh, uh, You're a fucking inanimate object. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so good. Uh. I do think, like, just to touch on it quick, the voice acting in this is pretty exceptional across the board, but especially McConaughey. It's yeah. really impressive yeah. as a voice actor, I think. I think whoever the kid was that played Kubo, his name great. is really awesome. Yeah. This is one, and if I'm overstepping, I apologize. I was very afraid when this came out that yeah. the lead cast were not Asian, and I thought it was going to get a get pushback yeah i did this it, not something it, it i got would a little back. bit of a little bit back on a because little it was bit. like an uh, a western made thing that was playing on eastern mythology where, they, where yeah. they succeeded though was by making it so true to the shinto mythology yeah it ended up being respectful and of course it's all in service of a good theme and there is a, a pretty diverse supporting cast but i was afraid of that mm -hmm. but at the same time i don't think i could recast kubo as anyone else because that kid was no he's spot on. he's great uh, I do think there is like one wildly hilarious, like sort of racist moment, like very early in the movie, uh, when Kubo is telling his Art Parkinson. Art Parkinson. That's uh, that's a great name. Oh, that's a good idea. Uh, there is like that moment very early in the movie when Kubo is playing his guitar and telling his story, 
and a man in a crazy offensive Asian accent goes, "Oh, this story is good!" <laughs> like he like really hits like a hard racist like Asian. At the same accent. time, though, you watch Seven Samurai and yeah, that character exists. Yeah, you know, like, I, totally. It's only in hindsight that that. Um, excessiveness of Asianness yeah. has become a joke because yeah. it was based in just something that was humorous in a non-hateful way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. It's not offensive when Asian people do it about Asian people. Yeah, right, right, white right. people are doing it. Like, yeah. But yeah. it's only after 50 years of of Asian cinema that we all started doing stupid Asian accents, right? And that that feels informed by when it's probably more purely that's, informed. That's true. By, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. Actually, to once again tout the graces of silence. Yeah. There's a deeply tragic Japanese character in that movie who very, very, very much plays uh, what's his name character from Seven Samurai. Oh, uh, yeah. Why can't I think of his name? Yeah, he's he's the guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, very much does that. And my my initial just you know got to be careful, got to watch you know, what I say kind of thing was like I, I don't know if I should laugh at that. And then it became clear like oh this is a tragic version of not a trope, but what preexisted the trope and caused it. You know, and I, think I think about this, this fits into that every time I go to a hibachi restaurant. Yeah, have you guys ever gone to hibachi, dude? I've Fucking love hibachi. I love hibachi. Every time I'm there, all I can think about is how there's an Asian man in front of me going, oh, let me make you some food. And he's like flipping shrimp into his hat and stuff. And then as soon as his shift is done, he goes home and he's like, give me a beer, woman. I yeah, just yeah. need a bit like he t- he's definitely a t- he's an American through and through. Yeah. He was definitely born here. He has none of that accent. Not always the case, though. But at work, he's got to be hibachi grill master. Uh, yeah. You know, like it's fucking I like every it's time I'm at one of those places. To hear you I, do insensitive <laughs> Asian voices. Because I feel like that's so much more my territory. <laughs> and I don't want to do it, but I can't help myself sometimes. I'm, and I'm trying to express that I do think they're very insensitive. Yeah. You know, like, like I, my heart breaks for those guys every time I'm at those but places. But your point is well heard. And yeah, it, yeah, is, yeah. it is very funny. Yeah. There's, um, uh, what was it there? I forget what movie it is, but there was like a Japanese guy in it and someone did that to him. And he was like, I'm from Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I forget what movie it was. And it was such a good moment. That's, that's good. But it was just like, you know, they did like the, do you understand the words? Yeah, he was yeah. like, I, I live like two blocks from you, bro. <laughs> I am as American as, yeah. as anybody. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah. That's uh yeah man I that my heart breaks for those guys every time I see them have to do that performative I am Asian you know and it's like yeah I know but you're also American now and you've said, probably I been here for thirty years the lead characters in this movie like no. none of them played that no. character no. anytime that happened it it was it's presumably it's someone a, of yeah yeah it's it's like a background actor that I think is probably I wouldn't I would hope anyway is actually like I looked at the cast and short of like the top four yeah. It's mostly an Asian. That's cast. what I was yeah. assuming. That that's a lot of how they get away with that. Is like we'll ex- and Frank Stallone. I don't know how he got in there. <laughs> that's actually not we'll, true. We'll express how naturally, you know, quote unquote, naturally like Asian this is through the supporting Asian cast, mm. and then we will have you know these movie stars that will hopefully bring box office play the main characters, and none of them will do offensive accents. Like mm. they'll just do their native accents, and I think that actually works pretty well in the movie. Ultimately, I thought so. Yeah, I think um, so too. That's like I said. That's a criticism that. I was surprised wasn't leveled at Me too. it, but was happy that it wasn't leveled yeah, at yeah, it because yeah. I don't think it, it necessarily it, holds water. No, yeah, I, I don't think the movie. Uh, it, it's very clear the movie is is it's a, worth conversing about, but it's not worth it to get bet. Get yeah, because yeah. I think the movie is very clearly trying to be a quote unquote like fairy tale of some sorts, and it's sort of using a, a, a um, 
uh, a mythology that is is not uh, native to where they made the movie, but is nonetheless sort of I think respectfully using that mythology to to create like a fairy tale type story. I, I think that's fine. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it's like a specifically Asian thing. I mean, right. Yeah, they're using Asian mythology, but it's yeah. it's like it's a very universal theme. Yeah. Yes, exactly. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and they, they've just, you know, they've chosen a, a particular culture to sort of like address that theme through, but that, I don't think there's anything wrong with that right. ultimately. Um, I also like the, uh, the idea that it's called Kubo and the two strings. Um, but ultimately the movie builds to Kubo and his three strings, one well, for each member of his family. Strings, yeah. And then the two strings that he loses are what it's referring right. to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, well, and him and his mother are alone in the beginning. The well, two strings. His mother and his father are the two strings. Yeah. Oh, that's right. They that's, ultimately that's become. That's how the, I took it. Yeah, interesting. He took the string that was his mother's hair. Yeah. And the string that was his father's bow. Yes, at, correct. In yeah. the final sequence. And then his own hair to make the third string. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. Someone needs to make an internet video where he like holds up the 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 guitar or whatever. I'm just gonna call it a guitar. Yeah, shams. Just like the, what is it? It's a shams. I don't. I don't. I've only seen it written. I've never seen it pronounced. But it's shamsian. Okay, so he S-H-A-M-S-I-E-N. holds up his shamsian. S I E N. Okay, I would love to play one of those too. That's a cool instrument. Seems really. I just want to see a video where he steps up to square off against Dragonface. Yeah, and then he just hits, and it's it's Welcome to the Jungle. Yeah, and all the memories float up, and it's like. You fucked with the wrong claymation kid. <laughs> because well, welcome to the jungle, baby. Time yeah. to die. <laughs> da, 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 da. Boom. And then the Fantanas come out and dance. Yeah. It's a great movie. Yeah. Uh, anybody else have Kubo thoughts, or we want to move on to our top fives? Uh, I think I think we covered it. I think that a sign of good. Uh, Clay, uh, claymation stop motion we'll call it yeah. is that I want to eat the characters because they look like <laughs> delicious candy and then it's across the board in this once you said that I couldn't take my mind off that of that monkey's face looks like a delicious piece of like raspberry chocolate even, I just like, nah, nah, nah. even beetle literally looks like those like chocolate be- there are chocolate beetles like yep. that is like yeah. the <laughs> I want to eat it all yeah. I want to dip it in the seawater and eat it. Nah, 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 nah. Yeah. The only thing that didn't look like delicious candy was the delicious-looking salmon that was probably <laughs> actual salmon. Actual salmon. Yeah, it looked yeah. like actual salmon. It sure did. Yeah. The only other thought I have is that as a kid, like my first exposure to animation was Claymation Christmas with the California yep. Raisins. Great. They go a-waffling instead of a-wassling. A yeah. Hilarious. Yeah. Triceratops just doesn't fucking get it. It's uh-huh. great. Um, I always envisioned in my head that they were filming miniatures. Uh-huh. And... I've long since known that they're filming pretty large puppets. Mm-hmm. It, logistically, that makes sense. Yeah. But I always forget that, or I always just relegate it to being miniatures. So the closing credits of Kubo, where it actually shows in-studio action, really captures the size of it all and the breadth of it all and just how how much had to be manipulated to do it so that when you're watching it, especially here we had such a good setup projected yeah. on the wall, watching the giant skeleton at what is mostly pretty to the size of what it was. <laughs> right. It's almost like one-to-one. You to one. start to kind of feel the the massiveness of it. Like the weight and of it. Yeah, Anytime right. I get reminded, like, oh, Kubo's actually, like, a couple feet tall. You right. know, it becomes less of a cartoon and more live action to me. Uh-huh. And that that worked this time around so much better because I've now seen the closing credits once. 
And I think that helped quite a bit in digesting it uh, more fluidly this time. Yeah, that's one thing we absolutely should cover. I'm glad you brought it up. Is that that skeleton is the largest they've made, like largest rig for a stop motion that's ever been made. What did you say? It was 16 feet? 16 feet tall. That's crazy. That's insane. That's crazy. That's taller than real actors. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it does look like they're in, you know, Pinewood Studios when they show you. You know what I mean? Like, they're in a huge warehouse space that they've had to build a giant green screen set on with tons of mechanical rigs to puppeteer this enormous skeleton. Mm -hmm. It's it's really impressive. Uh, And I, man, I, you know... The model work itself is something that I think is so impressive about stop motion. But then when you start talking about it on that scale, it's like, and I don't even, I don't know. That's like insane to me. I, I don't even know how to, I can't wrap my head around how you are looking at a two foot tall Kubo and a 16 foot tall skeleton. And you're going, you're oh, thinking in terms of action figures. And then yeah, you realize, oh, no, yeah. they're, they're garden gnomes. Well, but also like even on a, a practical level of like animating those things, it's like, okay, well, one of these things is two feet tall. And one of them is 16 feet tall. So when the two foot tall one moves this much, the 16 foot tall one has to yes. only move this much. Yeah. And like, mm-hmm. the, you know what I mean? Like just the practicality of these different things on all these different scales that are in the frame together and having to have every frame match the motion. It's just like wild to me. I don't even, it's like incomprehensible. It feels more like likely that it would be like, you know what? Let's just, let's just use magic to make a real skeleton. Yeah. Film <laughs> yeah. that. that feels like I could get to that end faster than stop motion. Doing yeah. It. It's and impressive. all the technical achievements of this movie, none of them are just like, Hey, look what we can do. It's exactly. all in yes. service of a theme. Yep. It's all like in service of the story. It's just yeah. it's, it, this movie. I was saying this movie is like so light on plot. It's all story. Mm-hmm. You know the the because oh, pl- it's just things happen. Yeah, just, yeah. we're yeah. just moving. It's, forward I remember. Idea. I seem to remember in your review. It's like this is boss battles. This is like a yes. video game. It's, it's like a, a series yeah. of boss battles. And that's actually the one thing I'd like to rescind about my review yeah. is that the first time that it that I saw it. It felt to me like it was a demo reel, that it was a show-off, not in service to the theme. Yeah. And then in hindsight, that's actually a testament to just how good, how show-offy these things were without, how impressive these things were without being show-offy. Yeah. Is that the second time it didn't feel that way. It felt like, oh, no, I get why this is happening now. Yeah. As opposed to, oh, cool, you're going to do some birds now. Oh, you're going to do some water now. You're going to do some rain now. Like, that kind of thing. The yeah. birds one was a little show-offy. A little bit. That's yeah. a little bit show-offy, That's but the at the same one. time, but this it does, time around. But it still serves the plot. Well, I'm yeah. watching as new mom is learning the lesson that old mom forgot exactly. of, I'm going to have to let this kid create. Yep. I'm going to have to let him literally tell his own story yes. because it's not mine to own you know yes. like that and that it still does feel a little show off you but at that moment it worked better this time because mm-hmm. the monkey who we don't know his mom yet is going man we really need to focus on getting our goal done but I, I don't think it would be good of me to let my son not create this incredible thing. Like yeah. that's, that's a great moment. Yeah. It's, it's like, yeah, it's uh, once you get like the full, I love movies like this too, where you get like, once you have the full story and the mm-hmm. kind of the full picture in mind, you can like go back to scenes like that and you're like, yeah, this is like a little bit like everybody's kind of like dicking around and being like, hey, look at this. We're animating all these paper birds. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you look at it and you go like, oh, no, this is like a full on representation of how powerful that's Kubo's the become. It's so yes. pure in terms yeah. of the mom's looking at that going, that's why I chose Earth. Yeah. That's yeah. why I chose not to be an black infinite, and white, cold, yeah. infinite, because there's there's no potential for something like this in that. Right. And that came through very strongly the second time yeah. around. It is. They are showing off. Like, yeah. we can, we can yeah. do 100 birds as paper, y'all, yeah. and a real bird 
Blocko. Well, yeah, and it's, it's the same uh, thing. I mean, the skeleton. Y'all thought that salmon was impressive? Yeah. I'll paper birds. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same thing. That skeleton sequence is very masturbatory to some extent, right? But it's not presented that way. Right. No. It, like, yeah. it, it never feels like that's why it's there. Mm-hmm. Um, it certainly is to some extent. Like, to be to have you then be on a podcast and be like, I mean, did you know it's the biggest thing they've ever built for a stop motion? You know, uh, but it it's not presented that way. It feels mm, like it is intrinsic yeah. and inherent and necessary for it absolutely the was stakes necessary. of the story that we're watching. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, which and it's is just pure adventure. Yeah, yeah. It's it's got like a that scene is like almost an Indiana Jones level of like. We're fucking. We're in like a dark cavern. There's a big thing we gotta fight. It's it's very like classic adventure movie kind of yeah. thing. Uh, uh, man, this movie fucking. Another thing I, as, actually, I don't see how you couldn't get into that as a kid. Like yeah. that's fucking pure. Yeah. I wish I could see it. Adventure. Yeah. yeah, it yeah. is. It is, well. The one thing I wanted before we get off of it, I have to rave about. I think who ran away with the voice performance in the movie was Rooney Mara. She's oh yeah, great. she is an actress who her brand is sort of being closed off Mm -hmm. and she transcends that um, even in just the opening scenes of uh, the social network. Yeah. You know, you, you get this full character and she has literally one scene in the movie. Yeah, that's right. Spiting her inspires Facebook, at least in the world of that movie. Uh, 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 That's a, that's a pretty big thing to put onto an actor. Um, Recently I saw a ghost story and that is a, you know, she's She's not in it much, but it's a very stoic performance like that. And so for her to, have to, I mean the the design of those sisters is is really really striking, but in that they're cold and limited in their emotive abilities, in their the way that they're swinging around commas and you know throwing chains and stuff. That's all super flourishes, but in the face they're wearing a mask. Mm-hmm. Their their mouth doesn't even move, and so there's a very big vocal performance that she has to do that is both quote unquote scene chewing as we understand it mm-hmm. but also true to the idea of closed off yeah and that is a tough thing to do especially if we're uh, assuming that the sound came before the film mm-hmm. that's a tough thing to do without a visual reference and very often and even in this movie a little bit and i don't know if it's the movie or if it's me just knowing how these are made sometimes i it'll click into my head like these two people talking have never even been in the same room <laughs> yeah yeah and it was yeah. recorded separately and you feel that there and and that's why Fantastic Mr. Fox, one of the fun things they did was have the people act it and just had boom mics on them. Yeah. So there is, and I, I haven't seen that long enough to know to what effect it was successful. Right. But um, Rudy Meyer's performance shows, like, here's somebody who, she must have closed her eyes and just really pictured it in a way that I can't fathom doing myself. Yeah. And that is very impressive. Yeah. And it's a legitimately terrifying character. Yeah. And, you know, it's, of course, it goes to the design as well as her performance, mm-hmm. but that is a performance that could have easily, and to the fault of even a great actor, could have easily just not worked. And she really sold that voice. It could have been so hammy. Yeah, exactly. Like, it could have been not. big. Um, Ray Fiennes, for his character, mm-hmm. it's great and big like that, but I think there's one or two moments where he'll be like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, uh, you know, I get it. Yeah. But it... She never gets there, yeah. and that I appreciate. That's cool. Mm-hmm. That is cool. But, um, yeah, I just, I, this movie, I mean, I, to me, stop motion is the thing. Like, I love animation. I, I really like animated movies in general, but stop motion is this weird bridge between, uh, that's a good way to put it, actually. Live yeah. action movies and animated movies that, like, really, really works for me and has always fascinated me. And I think is like 
I don't know. It's just it is so entertaining to me and sort of like it elevates itself above just like when I think about animation. Stop motion almost is like its own category to me, if that makes sense. Like it feels. I mean, it is a category. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, 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 yeah that's true. Uh, but it, I, I guess I guess I'm saying like as a category is maybe a little bit above actual animation for me just because I don't know something there's some visceral quality to stop motion there's there's a practicalness to it that uh, just connects with me in like a crazy way and so I think getting to see it again in modern times when like I, when was the last time there was a stop motion movie that was released wide like that yeah. Uh... Box trolls, I guess. Yeah, right. Like it, that maybe. And that's what Leica does. Uh, yeah, right. That's movies. like their whole thing. Yeah. yeah, and and box trolls was you know what there's got to be at least a five year process between each of their movies. I would imagine. Yeah, those take a really long time. Yeah. Uh, so a- anyway, I just say yeah. I I don't know. This is like the th- perfect marriage of just like great storytelling and amazing filmmaking mm-hmm. uh mostly because i just i don't know stop motion is what does it for me when it comes to animation it seems so impossible in something like stop motion to compartmentalize it yeah i feel like it has to be an insane mad person yeah who just sees the whole picture and understands every function of everybody and that's simply not the truth right so to be able to coordinate all that it it, it feels like a logistical nightmare so to even see something that is competent to completion is impressive. Yeah, yeah. Which is actually initially how I felt about Kubo. Is that yeah. I was like, this is brilliantly made, even if not, you know, hitting me hard. Yeah, if it's not, yeah. And so you know that, of course, as I keep reiterating, that happened better this time. But that is to be able to to be able to call it a director's pure vision seems impossible. Yeah, and name the director of any of these movies. Right. Yeah. I mean, name the studio. Yeah. And, you know, so it yeah. takes a village to to yeah. make this this product. I will say, in this particular case, Travis Knight is the name of the director, and the big thing that he's on his way to do is the Bumblebee spinoff of the Transformers. So series, into that, which is very so cool. I think. I, I would love to see a Transformer that actually looks like he exists in the frame with everyone else. Yes, and exactly. I feel like Travis Knight might be capable of that. Oh yeah. You got to see that fifth one. I know it's it's way better than the fourth. It's still, I mean, there's a glass ceiling yeah. over the, the. There's only so good a Transformers yeah. movie can be. Oh, I've seen the fourth and I loved it. So if you're saying yeah. it's even better, I'm I'm into it. Well, the fourth one, like I I hated, yeah. but I it was eminently watchable. Yeah, I hated it, but the fifth one, I mean, yes, it was like a lazy Sunday where I was yeah. hungover, so I got stoned and went and saw yeah. Transformers in yeah. 3D by no, myself. No, that's how you're supposed to see those movies. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the whole time I was just picturing that photo of, of Michael Bay like pointing to the sky <laughs> as helicopters fly over and just laughing like a maniac. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. I am you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Should we do some lists? Yeah, let's move on yeah, to these lists. lists. So, so I, I need to caveat right away that I didn't fucking write one because I had the craziest day of my life. But I'm going to do my best to... Par- I have like ideas spinning in my head of things I can, I can well, list we'll, out as we we'll go. We'll allow a lot of honorable mentions yeah, in it. Yeah. Uh, what the list is this week is just favorite animated movies. Yep. Keep it broad. Yep. Um, I found this easy at first because I was like, oh, I've only seen a handful. Yeah. And then as I started poking around on the internet and just kind of redef- like remembering in my head the broad spectrum over which the term animation yeah. covers, I realized, oh, there's a lot of things. Uh-huh. And so a lot of things got bumped to honorable mentions and a lot of things got added to the list that weren't there as of you know three hours ago. Yep. So, yeah, the, I mean, do you have any caveats to yours, John? Uh, well, I'm biased because I work in 2D animation. Sure. So, your, yeah. Your list tends to go that way. It's, yeah, it's pretty 2D heavy. Yeah, yeah. 
I like that. That's fine, that. though. That's 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 the yeah. beauty of the list. Uh, truly, I'll let you guys bounce back and forth off of each other and just kind of chime in with with some of the ones that I've I've kind of thought of over the day. So we're gonna Ooh. we're gonna go five, five, yeah, four, three, like around yeah, yeah, the yeah. table. Yeah, yeah, okay. Well, I'll start. We'll let you have number the number one countdown since you'll know more than me animation wise. Yeah. But my number five is it's a very weird movie, but I just love it called I Married a Strange Person. Oh, I don't know. It's a one. Bill Plimpton full oh, length cartoon. Shit, I haven't thought of that one in years. Yeah, that movie I fucking love that. Weird. It's so weird. It's very funny. It's very dry humor. There's a sex scene where there's a song that is singing like metaphorical things about sex. Yeah. But as the, it's singing that the sex scene literally depicts as these people are kind of amorphously transforming into yeah. the song. Um, it's also just like it was one of the first like kind of adult animations I ever saw. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just very funny. And I, I've always loved Bill Plimpton's style. Yeah. Yeah. It lends itself to very gruesome you know, like Ren and Stimpy close-ups, gruesome. It's very fleshy. Um, yeah, very fleshy and very goopy to also very bland. He had an Oscar-nominated short about the Lonely Stoplight mm. a few years back that was very much his style, but was a, a five-year-old could have watched it and enjoyed <laughs> it. So I, I really like his style, but I Married a Strange Person was a movie that when I first saw it, I didn't like. I just randomly bought the DVD just thinking, oh, this looks neat. And then just watching it as because I owned it, it ended up really growing on me, and I think about it quite a bit. And it was my introduction to one of my favorite filmmakers, Bill Plimpton. So uh, I married a strange person. That's cool. Very cool flick. And it's animated, so it's like 75 minutes long. Yeah. Really easy yeah. to digest. It's good stuff. I'll toss one out. I don't have an order on mine. I'm just kind of like thinking of these off the top of my head. Anybody seen A Town Called Panic? That is my number three. Ah, nice, I dude. love A Town How Called How great Panic. is that movie? It is so funny. Yeah. It is so it's like it's the same style as Gumby. Would you agree with that? Yeah, it's it, a claymation, but it's it has it's French. Yep, but it has a very Frenchy sense of humor. Mm-hmm. Like the one character literally just screams every line. Yeah. And it's um, it's about it's about cowboy, Indian, and horse. I think it's horse. Yeah, horse. It's so and and they are just a a cowboy action figure and an Indian action figure and a horse action figure. Uh, and a lot of it's claymation. Some of it's like action. It's like a mix of just practical, you know, stop motion animations. Uh, and it is, it's very much like Gumby where they just are on this sort of infinite plane of existence that they have control over through being animated. And it's literally about, uh, somebody gets a million bricks delivered on accident. And so now they have a million bricks to build whatever they want with. And so it's like a 90-minute movie where animated characters are just building insane things for no reason because they uh, have check a... Check that. It's a 75-minute movie. Hell yeah, <laughs> there you go. Uh, where they're just they're building whatever they want because they have bricks to build whatever they want with. And it's so funny. It's really funny. Yeah, the characters Everybody... have such a good rapport. Yep. And, and, they... and what's weird is that you listen to it in another language, but it's subtitled. Yep. So you have to kind of grant it a little bit of leeway in terms of like these voices are kind of lived into the people who hear it. Right. So you have to sort of apply what you're reading to the tone of the voice. Yep. And once you get that, it's there's great. nothing better. That's such a it's great It's literally yeah. like one of the fastest paced animated movies I've ever seen. It just fucking like everybody talks a mile a minute. Everything is happening constantly. It's really funny and weird. And uh, I can't recommend it enough. It's cool. It's like oh, Gumby I'll, on acid. Oh, let's check that out. Great. That sounds pretty awesome. Yeah. Uh, what about you? Okay, my number five is uh, Iron Giant. The Iron oh, Giant. That was going to be one of my dimensions. That was a yeah. tough cut yeah. for me. Yeah, yeah that's, it just has so much heart as a movie. It's Yes. Mm. 
And and maybe Vin Diesel's best performance ever. <laughs> I, don't, you know, be, like, yeah. I kind of love a Cold War setting. Uh, yeah. It's kind of yeah. a thing that always worked for me. It always yeah. has. From Rocky Four to Bridge of Spies, it has always worked. <laughs> but Iron Giant actually captures it in kind of an old-timey radio yes. feel, which yeah. is so cool to me. Yeah, But it captures not like it captures the theme of the Cold War. Yes. yes. Because it's about paranoia. Uh-huh. Like this unstoppable force is coming from space but it's it's actually it's a, it's a character you know yeah it's, it's not, more nuanced than just yeah, pure evil yeah exactly yeah yeah that, the animation is gorgeous it's so gorgeous it brad bird brad, brad bird. bird yeah yeah and yeah. it has a story the way it builds so slowly yeah with the kid discovering yeah. it and then he discovers that it has personality and he yeah. has to keep it a secret yeah yeah, it's just a well, beautiful And that film. big moment at the end is like just so that fucking... Oh, yeah. The, oh. I am, the I am Groot moment. The yeah, we, exactly. The we are Groot moment. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's... Man. That's actually one that I probably should have considered in watching Kubo for the first time because it has that same feel. Like, if I was a really little kid, I would just be off-put by that movie. <laughs> yeah, As yeah. an adult, it breaks my fucking heart. Yeah, and, yeah. But it's so good. That movie's great. Uh, Damn, what do you got? What's another? Well, um... Since my three is gone, mm-hmm. um, which was a town called Panic, I'm going to throw one back in there, but it's actually kind of a cheat because it's a twofer. Yeah. I think they need to be bunched together because of the style of animation, but A Scanner Darkly and Waking Life. Yeah, the, I thought about uh, both of those. Yeah. I, Linklater? I, Linklater did yeah. both of them. Now, Waking Life is the one where they experiment with the form sure. because it's just a bunch of vignettes, before, basically. before sunset kind of vignettes yeah. of just people chatting with one another. But it's cool that they kind of take a different style with each of the scenes of the animation, yeah. whereas Scanner Darkly kind of commits to one mm-hmm. and ends up... Is that called rotoscoping? Do I have that right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah rotoscoping, rotoscoping would be the word. There's actually a great rotoscope movie is Diary of a Teenage Girl. Oh. There's a couple... There's like a lot of rotoscoping in it that yeah. works in a way that's really cool. That's cool. Um this one, uh, with A Scanner Darkly, that is kind of an unadaptable novel Yeah, because it's one where what happens isn't what people do it's what people say and think Mm -hmm. so it's hard to film a movie that isn't just a hangout movie which can very easily go either way and so by putting the animation over it it's almost it's almost cheap to put the animation over it and just say oh this is better than you think because it's actually about this but as a huge fan of the story it does uh, it does justice to a lot of the visuals that are described, but it also does justice to the theme of it. Mm-hmm. And in a lot of ways, makes it more accessible. Yeah. Um, so it works not just as an introduction to Philip K. Dick, but as a companion piece to the story. Yeah. And that's that's really incredible. That's an interesting um, thought, too, the idea that, like, hey, this would just be, like, there's no way to do this story that's not a Hangout movie. Yeah. But it's also supposed to be a big science fiction spectacle. And if they so... went, like, Ghost in the Shell with it, it wouldn't be true, because nothing explicitly right. science fiction happens in the movie. Right. It's a bunch of addicts hanging out, essentially. Yeah. yeah. And so by doing this, you can say, oh, no, this is sci-fi. Right. Without having to add beeps and boops and zaps. Yeah, that's it's a really smart move. That's a pretty smart move. That's Link really Raider's kind of a genius about yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah. So that made it back onto the list as a result. That's of pretty interesting. Called panic leaving. Uh, I am gonna throw, um, and I, I I don't know. This might be on somebody else's list, and I I have to throw it out there just because I uh, this was like I had seen my neighbor Totoro and didn't know that there was like a filmmaker behind. You know, like literally mm-hmm. as a kid, I was like, yeah, it's a Disney movie. I don't I don't know. Miyazaki but, is is absent from my list yeah. shamefully, but 
that's I'll argue why. That's later. why I'm about to put Spirited Away on it because okay, I, cool. I, it, it, I had trouble not putting that on there. Yeah, it's it, such I, a good movie. I felt like Miyazaki had to be on my list. Um, I, I've I've seen a lot of his movies, uh, and and a lot of them are are almost like important to me in some weird way. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, and maybe Totoro is actually more important to me than Spirited Away because I saw it as a kid, but Spirited Away. Just he's I mean, firing on all. Yeah, it, it is, away is just definitely a better story. It is, you know, it's crazy just though? great. If you put it next to Mononoke, every time I'm gonna pick Mononoke. Yeah, I really yeah, like that too. movie a yeah. lot. That, and I think Spirited Away is probably the right. better, most accessible, yeah, broadly appealing as well as being purely what we love about Miyazaki. Yep. But yeah, I'm gonna pick Mononoke every time. Yeah, that that I love that actually. I just yeah. I, I I knew I was like I it's, Your answer is correct. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I just I couldn't there's no other way to to, to go with that. There's, for, there's for more me. character development yeah. in Spirited Away, for yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. Like like that's the big disappointment of like Howl's Moving Castle, where it's like Howl's Moving Castle feels like the the promise of like, hey, you might get spirited away again. And it's like, yeah, but not it doesn't quite hit the same marks with the, the character development and that, you know, it doesn't quite get there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the spirit. I don't even have much to say about it. Just I, I think everyone who's listens to our shows has seen. Probably, it I, I saw it on a big screen when I was seventeen. I think for literally a field trip for a film class I was taking in high oh, school. Nice. Oh, that's awesome! So it was like, and and that was literally when I discovered. Like, I, I was like, this looks really familiar. And then I like it was like early days of like, hey, IMDb is a website you can go to, and I was yeah, like, yeah, yeah. oh, Totoro, that's not Disney, that's this guy, that's ah, this is all coming together. When that came out, it was when it's when it was like, oh shit, we're all old enough that we know people with cars that can take us to the Ritz. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so we went to the Ritz to see that. And yeah. It was like just because it's a thing to see. And I had no love for anime at the time. Yeah, but it's yeah, it's good. I have nothing to say about it other than just it is fantastic and. Kind of, I, I think probably in my adult years, like opened my mind to like, oh right, anime is like really interesting and yeah. and, and its own kind of form that's cool and, and it's not know. just a brand. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. Okay, my number four is Kubo. <laughs> okay, oh, right awesome. on. We, we covered it. I love it. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, it's, yeah. We it's, just, it's just a movie that speaks to me with that theme about story. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It, uh, yeah. Boy. It, it's so fucking gorgeous. So like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is so hundred percent gorgeous. 100%. The waterfall in the background of the scene with the tile sea. Yeah. It's clearly just a towel on a dowel just <laughs> rotating and it just oh, it's so good. <laughs> a towel on a dowel. <laughs> Dan, what do you got? Uh, my number three now, it's been bumped up. It's not a full length film, but it blew me away. Uh, you ever want to see some tears coming out come out of my eyes, <laughs> put on the seventeen minute masterpiece, Don Hertzfeld's World of Tomorrow. Oh yeah. Oh, World of yeah. Tomorrow is Awesome. It's funny in a very bleak and cold way, but it's very warm to the idea of it. A lot of the themes similar with Kubo, the idea of like stop being interested in preserving the length and start being interested in preserving the quality. Right. And uh, it it just speaks to that. And it is very funny in a sort of coldly slapstick way. Yeah. Um, it like that. And I yeah, love Hertzfeld's films. It's yeah. I and I actually still have to watch. Um, it's such a beautiful day. I've been meaning to watch that forever since I was so floored by World of Tomorrow, but it's just shorter. So I watch yeah. that anytime I want to watch some Hertzfeld. Rejected yeah. is one of my favorite things. Ever. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's oh, yeah. I, I was very close to putting that on my list. I didn't because there's features. Right. But, yeah. I, I mean, I discovered that when I was really young. You know, the internet allowed yeah. for that to be like it. And I just. I had a Love DVD Spike and Mike's animated yeah, festival I, I or whatever. That and that's that came up. Yeah. It works on such a smart and such a stupid level. Yes. Yep. It goes meta before I really knew what meta was. Exactly, like, yeah. it's transcending the form, and 
It was the first time since uh, like Monty Python where the animator has the heart attack midway yeah, through it. Yeah. With that, it was like, oh shit, the animator's talking to me directly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just, My anus is bleeding. Yeah, like, that's yeah, funny every I time. I never so grab a banana without thinking, yeah. I am a banana. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My spoon is too big. I think about that all the time. It's <laughs> so good. It's so good. But what a cool thing when the pages start going and all I know. that. Yeah. Yep. And not even that movie, but World of Tomorrow is my number. Yeah, movie. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, World of Tomorrow actually does what we always talk about with like a Fincher going from very present, as in rejected, yeah. to really refined, as in yeah. World of Tomorrow. World of Tomorrow is very deep and heartbreaking without not being my spoon is too big silly. Right. It's it's cool. I, they even in this season of Fargo, it wasn't Hertzfeld, but they ripped off the Hertzfeld style yeah. to do an animated segment in Fargo that spoke once again to the same themes. It's pretty wild. Uh, I think for my number three, I'm going to put like all of the VHSs I owned as a child, uh, which basically ranges from like the, a lot of Disney cartoons. Specifically, I watched uh, Jungle Book a lot. Uh, I watched the Robin Hood uh, animated movie mm-hmm. a lot, which is a really Snake interesting Robin one. Hood is like be- my favorite person ever. Yeah, it, it, that's an interesting one because it's recycled animation from other Disney things, sort of cobbled together into this Robin Hood story. Um, that just has like some great music and some interesting. I, I really like that growing up. Um, but I also I'm sort of putting it as the VHS thing because I also want to be able to include. Uh, Land Before Time was oh, yeah. huge uh, for me when I was a kid. Oh yeah, I watched that movie over and over, and like a bunch of its sequels, but definitely that original one. I've never seen a sequel, but I had that tape and I wore it out. Yeah. I'm not kidding. There's like 15 Land Before Time oh, movies, yeah. Oh, yeah. and we owned at least seven in my house. Uh, but that first one we watched over and it's over so and good. over and and, and um, all dogs go to heaven is right there with that. We had that Three VHS. Don't we watched hang it out with over long again. Necks. Yeah, yeah. The animation in that movie is so solid. It's like, so you feel good. The weight of those yeah. characters. Yep. It's I that actually had Ducky. When like I, was I remember little. their names. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, that that had a lot of what. I would fear my young self wouldn't like about Kubo because The Land Before Time was one of those movies that like almost got too real yeah. that I didn't yeah. want to engage with it because I didn't want to feel. Yeah. But that's a testament to the power of like how you feel. Yeah. 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 The little girl with that ducky got murdered. Oh, hardcore. Jesus. Yeah, that's yeah. a fact. Yeah. Billy. Just saying. Hey. For you at home. For the yeah, kids. Billy. Spoiler yeah. alert. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Her uh, and the little girl from Poltergeist are fucking hanging out uh, in the TV Billy. people world. John, what do you got? Okay, number three is uh, Fantasia. Oh, oh dude, yeah. I actually like. I really considered that when I was thinking about this. I Fantasia is really cool. I left it off because I figured it would make it on the list anyway. Yeah, yeah. yeah. just the the visual quality is yeah. fantastic, and I love the concept. Yeah, like the music is beautiful. Yeah, and then like, the original intention of Fantasia was that it's going to be a cultural event, and they'd release one every few years right. when they could. It'd be like, which is how Fantasia like, 2000 came about. Was like, this is the fulfillment of the thing that we thought we were doing when we made this 20 years ago or whatever. Yeah, but Fantasia 2000 is not that not good. good. Yeah. I know. Yeah. yeah, it's unfortunate. It's kind of like Heavy Metal 2000. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, except Heavy Metal also like not the greatest thing in the world. I, I think do Heavy lo- Metal's pretty cool, it. but I love yeah. it. It's got that metal. great Dan O'Bannon segment yes. with the the zombies in the plane. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah. Fanta- it's just beautiful animation yeah. and like. I love that um, the one that's like the um, I don't know like the gods that are fighting or whatever oh, those so like cool you know what I'm talking looking, about yeah. those like huge sort of almost like mist creatures that are like oh, yeah, oh yeah. fuck do I love that mm. yeah and it's 
it's not just like the line quality of the animation. It's, right. it's painterly. Yes. Yes. Like the level of quality they put into that animation is yeah. so high. Yeah. And just to think that was done, you know, before a lot of you know, just digital amenities were available. Right. Yeah. I mean, people were literally painting that. Yeah. Oh yeah. And and like you said, it's like it, it is this very incredible animation uh, like um in tandem with this incredible music mm-hmm. that in and of itself lives on its own. Like you whenever I hear the the, oh, the, the Sorcerer's the, Apprentice yes. theme was the erector set it, team. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> whenever I hear that, I immediately picture Mickey with a fucking broom and fucking buckets and fucking yep. you know what I mean? It's like it, it just you it see it immediately. And that's something that is that I love about just animation in general. One of the things that I loved about like Looney Tunes, it was just animation over classical music. Yep, it works and it so just, well. It, it works, works so great. well. Just the manic. Yeah. The, the thing about classical music is, I mean, really with any music, but very much in classical music, is the idea that like there are so many pieces to this band yep. that you can actually just do anything. Yep. There are no limits. Just make the noises and we'll, we'll orchestrate them. There's a great and section of Fantasia that is literally just like, T- basically different creatures representing different musical instrument yeah. sounds oh, yeah. Yeah, constantly yeah. running and moving you ever seen as the, the, the video for Daft Punk's Around the World yes yeah, Michelle yeah, Gondry, yeah where they do that like exactly. digitally that's very cool yep but yeah it's, it is that thing like I love that Looney Tunes is all these classic like, you'll see a Looney Tune with like a Rachmaninoff theme to it and you're like yeah. that's insane yeah yeah it's yeah it really lends itself to animation because animation unlike other visual media or more so than other visual mediums you have very precise control of timing yep. yeah so you can sync it up to a beat yep you can sync it up to different musical numbers or whatever yeah i don't know that and like kind of the music, fluid yeah, nature of it too yeah, yeah. fits the orchestral music because yeah it's not often in a rock and roll song where you'll hear a swell yeah you know and so like to have a swell in an you know an orchestra uh piece you can visual, you can digitally, not digitally. You can like in animation generally because of the fluidity of it. You can visually represent a swell. Mm-hmm. You know that's something that outside of Baby Driver is not possible right, to do right. in live action. I mean, yeah. even in Baby Driver, I don't think there's a swell. Right. Yeah. yeah but it's it's that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's a good one. I left it off of mine just because I knew. It would I thought about it. Yeah. What's uh, your number two? My number two is Anomalisa. Mm, um, nice. I really liked Anomalisa. I haven't seen this yet. It, yeah, it's really either. worth watching. It's one of those where, thematically, it's very honest in a way that isn't necessarily kind. Yeah. And as an adult, that you know, we, we just you have to reckon with the idea that that it, well, we're all just flying by the seat of our pants. Yeah. And so certain concessions, whether they have to be made, whether they want to be made, whatever it is, certain concessions happen, and they are realities. You know, yeah. It's, it's not. It's not always the most beautiful thing, but. What's so cool about Anomalisa is that it gets away with going to those depths simply by being stop motion. Yeah. If it was real people, you would have more of a capacity to go, well, fuck this guy, he's a dick. Yeah. But since he is a puppet, you just kind of go with it. Yeah. And so to use that medium uh, to tell a story, especially because from what I understand is Charlie Kaufman wrote this when he was feeling writer's block mm. while writing... Um, Synecdoche. Yeah, the movie that's kind of about writer's block. Which is about writer's <laughs> yeah, block. Yeah. And so this was his work through for Synecdoche. Yeah. And then uh, be- it became a sound play first where yeah. people would just gesture over a recorded soundtrack. And you'll see why that's important it's when you see the movie. Yeah. Uh, and also The Ripper from uh, Last uh, yes. Action Year yeah. is very prominently featured uh-huh. audibly. In Noonan. This. And so it lends itself in that form well to animation. So it's just a good marriage of 
of quality and, of a what's the word a material mm-hmm. and medium all through the lens of a filmmaker and a, a mind that I really respect. So Anomalies, it's good. I really want to see that. It, it, watch it. it like yeah. frontlined. It's re- and it, it can't be that long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, it uses the the fact that it is stop motion to create punchlines. It's oh, I love that. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, this, my number two is going to surprise no one, uh, but I I legitimately very much love Akira. I knew it was coming. It, yeah, it, it is not the best animation I've ever seen in my life. Uh, I but it is a, just a really amazing adaptation of a really crazy story that actually like gets a lot of uh, good things right about that story um, and does use some very impressive. I mean, it's not oh you know it. It's one. It, it is a great example of what anime sort of was in its early heyday, mm. which is a little bit cheap. I think it kind of bridges the gap, though. It does. It because makes it's, a case for, like, even though it's minimalist, like, if we go big, we yes. can do anything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Because it's, it's like if you watch, like, anime series from that era, they're very cheap. And you can tell because there's tons of freeze frames in them. There's a lot of dialogue happening over static frames. There's... Minimal animation, basically. That's you know, is what happens when you don't put enough money in animation. Because the Ken Burns documentary style. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what happens when you don't put money in animation. Uh, and and Akira, no love lost to Ken Burns. His right. documentaries are awesome. Akira has a bit of that feel, um, but also is like taking that feel is literally going like, yeah, we know that's how anime feels to you. Yeah. So we will make something that still feels that way. But is actually like we're putting more money and time into it that actually has right. a little more going for it and is making artistic choices for when to have a freeze frame versus animation versus you know what I mean? Yeah, when they put the money into it, when they put the time into it for those scenes, is it's very conscious yes. and it works very well. Yes. And just that movie's so goddamn stylish. It, it's yeah. Like it, it's iconic. Yes. You see frames from Akira, you're like, oh yeah, That's, this is Akira. It, yeah, mm. yeah. It's uh, South Park did the riff with the Trapper Keeper. Yep, that absorbed Rosie O'Donnell was <laughs> taking over. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's it's one of those things. It's so iconic to the point that seeing that episode of South Park was before I ever saw Akira. Yes, and it just worked. Yeah, and then seeing Akira it was like, oh, uh, it's it's that de- it's that fucking ingrained. Yep. It's. I remember seeing. I want to say you and I saw it. We Dan, did at a midnight screening they, on I weed it was brownies. Be a film thing. Yeah, and they said it was going to be a film thing, and then it was clearly a DVD. Just a DVD. Did, but we everyone was laughing at the soundtrack because yeah. it was the oh yeah 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 ah, ah. yeah <laughs> yeah. Uh, the best part though was that I believe we had uh, uh, yeah we had some brownies. We had some brownies on our way in. Yeah, that's a it's a movie to watch high. That is. I mean, it's a movie to watch not high too. But like, I'll yeah. tell you this: that is a tough movie to watch when you are on edibles that you're not sure when they'll kick in or how, and then suddenly you're trapped in a movie theater <laughs> seat as children are being mind manipulated. Like it was just like there's those scenes when they're in the like the actual like research facility or whatever where there's just like crazy flashing lights and you see like what look like babies that are 90 years old mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. mind manipulating each other it like fucking I literally wanted to get up and run out of the theater <laughs> but I was so crazy on on edibles that I was like I literally am sinking into my chair. Yeah. I just want to run. I'm getting deeper. And becoming uh, it was with the integration horrible. And yeah. that's, uh, it's also a movie that one of the th- tropes I really hate in anime is yeah. where they yell. Er- every character yells every line all the time. Yes, and yeah. that but movie, in this movie it actually works. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, start to finish, and every time you're like, "Yes, you." Sh- everyone should be shouting right yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. So that's the uh, one of the Ta-da-da! jokes of anime is the is the, just the screaming expository dialogue out of passion. Yeah, yeah. But it's funny because 
what, what I don't see a lot in animation is a musical. Right. And what we see a lot in American animation is musicals. And what are songs but people screaming expository <laughs> yeah, dialogue? Exactly. It, that's, I would rather write a musical than ever write a movie. Because in a musical, you have to create... I mean, in a movie, you have to create nuance yeah. as to why this person's behaving this way. But if you ever run up against a wall in a musical, you call your music guy and go, this guy's feeling this, this, and this. Go. And yeah, then they yeah. just have him explain to you to a beat what's happening. Yep. So, you know, give and take. I, yeah. I, I could not put a cure. I, I knew it had to come up at some point tonight. For, yeah, that's uh, another list one of I animated. left off solely for that reason. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the Akira musical would be interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Akira. Yeah. Akira. Kaneda. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you got, yeah. number two? My number two is Pinocchio. Mm. Oh, dude. We brought it up earlier. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a movie that for kids that deals with real shit. Do, do they... Correct me if I'm wrong. Does he get like drunk at one point in that movie? Yes. Right? Don't yeah. they? In th- Pleasure Island, he gets drunk. Yeah. He's smoking cigars. Yeah. Uh, when he turned yeah. into a goat, that basically is what created my love for body horror movies. <laughs> yeah. And that is probably like my favorite subgenre of movies, yeah. body horror. That's that shit is fucked up. fucking terrifying, but it's all metaphorical, too. Yeah. Like, it all serves the purpose of, like, a really important... Uh, metaphor for life mm-hmm. you know like if you're on pleasure island you enjoy it at the time but you get turned into a brang jackass and yeah. then you have no voice yeah yeah yeah. so you have to go and save your father from the whale like that kind of thing <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 and, i'm tracking your metaphor now that we're yeah. inside of a whale i get it that's and, so cool about that though I, well i mean it's just iconic to the level of just oh your nose is getting bigger you're lying yeah yeah, yeah. and from an animation standpoint, like it's it's gorgeous. so well done, yeah. In two D animation, that was one of those movies. It was Disney's second feature. It was one of those movies where they were still figuring it out, and that's when they got it. Yeah. What was their first feature? Snow White. Snow White. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was Dumbo three, or was that a little later? Yeah, I think Dumbo Man. was three. Three, right? I could Dumbo. Dumbo, is, Dumbo was is. close to making my list too. Dumbo but is crazy. That movie made animation. me cry as a kid because oh, it was yeah. so scary. Yeah, that, scene, that tripped out scene is so tripped it's out. It's wild. Yeah. And that's oh, it's great now. As a kid, yeah. it was like no, <laughs> it's wild. Mom, yeah. that scene where the mother is reaching out through the dude, bars dude, and the trunks are dude. touching. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like I and now to Tim Burton's one... going to make it and put a spiral tree in it. Yep, yep. Oh, he was like, yeah. I love this movie, but needs more spirals. Oh, yeah. And then, you know. Yeah, so that's what either he does. I had to pick between those two movies. I went with Pinocchio. I, I like I the Pinocchio the right pick. Yeah, yeah, I really like the Pinocchio pick. I, I honestly wouldn't have thought of it. Uh, like, Dumbo would have came to my mind beforehand. And I've honestly only seen Dumbo like once or twice in my life. Mm-hmm. I've seen Pinocchio way more times. Oh, Pinocchio yeah. wouldn't have crossed my mind for that. And Pinocchio I used to get my is the choice. At a place called Kids Cuts. Yeah. And you would sit on like a dinosaur and they cut your Hell hair yeah, and dude. they always have something on. And the two movies they always had on were Looney Tunes, How I Spent My Summer Vacation. Uh-huh. And Pinocchio. Yeah, Hell yeah, were you dude. a good kid or were you a bad kid? Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. I was I was a pretty good kid. But I liked both, but I me now, I would prefer Pinocchio. Back then, I wanted uh, Looney Tunes or Tiny Tunes because it was uh, less oh, scary. Tunes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, man, yeah, that's a good pick, man. 
Oh, number keeping one. with that theme, my number one is Aladdin. Nice. I fucking Dude, love Aladdin. That it's might, so good. That might be the Disney movie I've seen the most. It's so good. It's so good. The music's good. The yep. performances are good. It's yep. funny. The color scheme is amazing. Yep. The Sega Genesis game was, was great. badass. Yep. It's the it's just only everything good one about it. Those, uh, yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. Remember yeah, the Lion one, King oh, game? It was fucking impossible. It's terrible. Ass. Yeah. 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 The Toy Story 2 game on PlayStation. Pretty, pretty good. good. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I just something about Aladdin just always stuck with me. It was me too. Just funny. Um, the voice. I got cast? into Aladdin it, at the yeah, same Robin time Williams. as I got into Mr. Uh, Bean, and I had my mind blown when I found out that Iago and Mr. Bean were but one. Yeah. Uh-huh. And because uh, Mr. Bean never speaks. Yeah. And uh, except in you know grimaces and grunts. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. Just Aladdin just worked. Uh, the imagery. That that's uh, when I talk about like Avatar, the imagery not resonating with yeah. me. The imagery of Aladdin sold me long before the movie ever did. Yeah, and then the movie was was very good. Gilbert Gottfried plays a bird. Yep, mm-hmm. the scene. Er- Eric Goldberg is a very famous Disney animator. He did the scene with the di- with the like the first scene where the Disney is uh, the Disney the genie is like talking about himself and his powers. That musical number with yeah. Robin Williams. It's just a perfect animated scene. Like, yeah. His the way he draws and the way he animates and the way Robin Williams acts just go together so perfectly. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah. Oh, Genie's iconic. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely yeah. iconic. And I know there's a lot of controversy around his role with that and whether they could use the footage and stuff. It's a whole thing. But either way, like Genie's so iconic and he's animated in such an imaginative way. Um, when I think of a Genie, the stock picture yeah. I think of is of Genie. Yep. And that's that's a pretty big thing. Yeah. Uh, it was also my first exposure to Cheech Marin <laughs> as um, one of the uh, the hyenas. And uh, I also... Uh, no, sorry, that was uh, Lion King. What am I yeah. doing? Yes. Uh, yeah. But either way, it was also my exposure to just a lot of things to, uh, yeah. you know, Gilbert Gottfried, the principal from Problem Child. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was just... Yeah, it was just good. You just made me think of something that was not going to make my list. Lion King. I'm, I'm, no. I don't know why I jumped into the Lion King there. I got confused. I'm I'm drunk. That's fine. Uh, <laughs> the Lion King is a good you one. reminded me of the Ducktales movie. Has Ooh, anybody seen that? The, seen the, the search seen for something something treasure or something like that. Maybe search for I Curly's have. gold. I watched it a ton of times as a kid. It's they find a genie. That's why I remember uh, reminded me. Oh wait, I know what the genie looks yes. like. Yes. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yes, I have seen that. It's it's a it might have been on a kids cuts. Yeah, it's it's a DuckTales movie. It's really fun. It's good. The thing I want to bring up was my number one though is um uh South Park, bigger longer uncut. Honorable mention. Oh, yeah. I I legitimately love that movie. Mm-hmm. I think that it is a great musical. Uh, like is. legitimately a great musical. Um, they I, do Les Mis midway through. Yes. Uh, yeah. I think that the animation actually, so, you know, obviously it's that the whole thing South Park is famous for is the limited animation that uh, is actually very effective for what they're doing. Uh, and, you know, now has progressed into basically a whole new field of animation where it's this sort of highly produced new computer technology that is meant to look like it's old and cheap, even though it's all yeah. moving in ways that are expensive. And yeah. Yeah. yeah, they make that show so fast. Yes, yeah. it's it's wild. It's ridiculous they can make an animated show in that And timeline. I think the movie is actually kind of the, it's basically the bridge between these two things, right? It's the mm-hmm. bridge between cutting a bunch of construction paper out and creating the show that they're literally able to produce on a weekly basis. That also um, thematically was... I mean, no truer distillation of the the manifesto of South Park yeah. Oh, yeah. has ever gone beyond that, which that whole movie is just about the idea of, like, protect what we say 
and you can protect anything. You know, yeah. like and yeah. that is that is them to a T. Yep. Yeah. You know, like let me do me and I'll let you do you. Because yep. people are gonna try to stop us both. Like I love that. Yeah. But it's I, in that's, the movie, it's pure. It's, that's all, the it's thing. literal. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It is just it is it is the whole thesis of what South Park is in one ninety minute perfect comedy mm. that it's is so, so funny. funny. It's has so great funny. music. Yeah. And the I, same again song like, that's based on Little Mermaid up there is yeah. like that still brings me to tears I, of laughter. What would Brian Boitano do is one uh, of the funniest, dumbest things I've ever heard in any movie. Did someone say my name? Yeah. Who are you? I'm Brian Dennehy. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here, Brian Dennehy. It, Bye. Yeah. I dude. I just love that movie. Yeah. And I really do think as like an animated movie, it is doing an interesting progressive thing that ultimately is not going to be reflected on that way. Do you remember you know the trailer? I mean? Oh, yeah. The trailer was the computerized the computer carbon that was carbon. Like using yeah. cutting edge. Yep. But, and then oh, it does yeah. the German yep. dance. So they were, yeah, they were doing that. I, that's what I mean. I, I think it's like, it's not going to be reflected on that way in a weird way because it now it just, it's like, yeah, that's shitty South Park. That's what that looks like. They made but, that shit feel though. And it also, it, it is the stepping stone that gets them to the super fast, like much more clean South mm. Park that we, that we live with now, which I think is interesting. They make a joke in that movie where uh, it's like a meta joke that actually doesn't make sense in the world of the, the movie. And it always bugged me, but I love it is when they can't get into the Terrence and Philip movie, and Cartman goes, ah, whatever, it's just stupid animation anyway. Yeah. And then they walk away from the theater, and they're all going, bop, 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 bop. Of course, it doesn't make sense, because within that world, Terrence and Philip, who become prisoners of of America, yeah. are live action. So the joke doesn't actually make sense yeah. to the reality. Whatever. But it's yeah. such a great joke where it's like, oh, the animation's crappy. Yeah. And then they point at the bop, finger bop, at us bop, and go, bop, you bop, paid bop. us 15 bucks to watch <laughs> yeah, our shitty yeah, animation. Yeah. That's so funny. So good. And then they send Kenny to hell in like this really like fascinating marriage. Oh, that was of, so good. Oh, yeah, you know, computer and yeah, yeah. It's 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 great. Yeah. It's, well, that uh, that was an honorable mention, of course, next to Team America. Yes, which of course. Is not stop motion, but puppetry. 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 And, and, the question, an amazing does puppetry, puppetry count? I think puppetry I, counts. I would count it, right? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it, it is the manipulation of other characters within the frame that I think kind of ultimately describes. Well, in a lot of ways, the skeleton was uh, the strictest definition of animation is to give life to an inanimate object. There you go. So I would count puppetry as animation. Yeah. Oh, there's a famous quote from Jerry Seinfeld. He said, "What is comedy? Comedy is making animals talk." <laughs> so in that sense, comedy is animation. <laughs> and here we are. What's your number one, oh, John? Be- wait, before oh, yeah? um, uh, with. Uh, uh, with uh, oh no, I lost it again. It okay. happened because what's I your number one, John? My number one is Princess Mononoke. Ah, yeah. awesome. nice, Amazing. nice. Yeah. I I just I I really like how there's no, uh, there's antagonists. Yeah, but there's no real villain. Yes, and it's just so good looking. Yeah, yeah, like, it's yeah, yeah. That's a movie that I think is actually worth watching with subtitles and watching with the American voice. Oh, interesting! Dub because Billy Bob Thornton's in it for real. And he what? does great. He does great work. I've never yeah. heard the American voice. Yeah, dub. the American voice. As Charlie Theron's in it. Oh, um, there, it's it's got a good voice cast. Now, of course, I prefer the subtitles, but yeah. it's worth watching because yeah. you know there's just a quality to actually hearing the the intonations as we know them, as opposed to trying to apply them to a subtitle that has value. That makes sense. I. I would be curious about that. Like my first experience with Spirited Away was in an American theater where I had to see the overdub by the Disney voice actors mm-hmm. that were very good. Actually, is like pretty. Good. It worked, and then I got to see it again and with the subtitles and appreciated it a little more. But um, sometimes I'm impressed by the overdubs that get done to some extent. Um, the Akira one is atrocious. <laughs> it's <laughs> I've terrible. I've never seen the Akira with the dub. It is terrible. 
uh, I forget who's in it, but it's like it's like kids that were famous actors in the '90s are oh, like no. doing all the voices. Oh no! And, and it is Brad bad. Renfro is everybody. Dude, literally, it's like it's not Jonathan Taylor Thomas, but it's like someone that played his brother Jonathan on Brandis. Tool Time. Yeah, exactly. I'm just it's gonna keep naming dead child celebrities. <laughs> it's uh, it's Where bad. Yeah, uh, that is a Mata fucking is great. yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it just sits with you afterwards. Like, mm-hmm. whoa, mm-hmm. you really go through that experience. Yeah. Nice. Well, yeah. I'll rattle off my honorable mentions Please. real fast. Um, the Let's see. There was from the makers of Akira, Steam Boy. Oh, yeah. Steam um, Boy. Not the greatest movie, but I just really like the vibe of it. It's cool. Um, I had Belladonna of Sadness, which I've I saw recently. Yeah, I it's one that, that does the animation style of the Ken Burns documentary, where it's still pictures of the camera panning over yeah. it, mixed with animation. It, I, I still don't know how I feel about the contents of the movie, but I ate edibles and watched it. It was very cool. The music's great. Cool. Um, I had Fantastic Planet, yeah. which is kind of a, a... I really like the visuals of it, but it's kind of boring. Mm-hmm. But I, that was on the list just to brag that I saw it, <laughs> as was Coonskin, the uh, Bakshi live-action animated one with, like, uh, it's the guy from The Shining. Oh, uh, uh, Scatman Crothers? Yeah, yeah Scatman yeah. Crothers. And it's an awesome movie to watch, but that was more just a brag that they played it at Exhumed. And I, I, saw I it. can't deal with Bakshi animation. Like, <laughs> it's, it's live action and mix. Yeah, so but it st- does that. from an animation perspective, it's very bad. Yeah, 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 oh, I yeah. totally see why. Yeah. It's very rough around the I edges. Can't deal, I can't watch it. Like, I have to turn it off. Yeah. And the other ones I had were Mary and Max, which was a stop motion oh, yeah. claymation mm-hmm. that I very much enjoyed. And then once again to jump onto the the back of uh, what Ryan said in his first half of the year, your name yeah. is a great I anime. really want to see that. It's great. I left it off my list because I don't know what aspect of that is the animation. Right. Because I think if it was done live action, it could be done because it's just such a good script. Great story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But at the same time, I also wonder how much weirdness I'm forgiving because I'm looking at it through the lens of this is an anime. Yeah. But yeah. I think it's worth watching. Yeah, that's I one thing really I, I really that. feel about animation. is If you're going to do something animation, you have to do something that can't be done live action. Yeah, you need to utilize mm-hmm. that, that medium for all it's worth. The only exception I will give is King of the Hill. Oh yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Actually, I love how they do it. King like of that. the Hill like, is like a deceptively great show. Yeah, yeah. And how Bobby and Joseph grow up throughout the seasons. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like no other cartoon does that. It's yeah. always the kids always stay the same. Stay age, the same. Yeah, but they actually grow up. Yeah, like child actors would, yep. even though they don't have to. Yeah, yeah. I never thought about that. That's that's very true. Yeah, yeah. They, they could really totally do. shoot that show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All the things you do on sitcoms to save money, like using the limited sets over and over yeah. again. All they just do the, it on King yeah. of the Hill. Yeah, that's really funny. I never thought about that meta aspect of King of the Hill. That's wild. Yeah. That's true. That that was one of those shows that I watched growing up and always thought was funny. Yep. And, you know, but didn't quite get it probably yeah. the way that yeah. it was intended to be gotten um, as as with anything. But it was one that just recently, like within the last, we'll say, seven, eight years as recently, yeah. one of my buddies, his little brother was like, you ever watch King of the Hill? I'm like, yeah, I watched that back in the day. He goes, put that on. That's like a good show. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, really? And I end up just kind of clicking through it on Netflix. I don't know if it's still there. <laughs> it's like it's a good show. It's, yeah, so, yeah. it's a really good show. Yeah. That's yeah. cool. Uh let's wrap this thing up. What do you well, think? We'll get some more honorable mentions. Right? Oh, please toss them out. Oh, okay. Um honorable mentions. 
Uh, I gotta say, even though it's not a great movie, Beavis and Butthead do America. Yep. Oh, yeah, I that like that. That was a close one. So stupid, but I love it. Yeah, um, it's got that great like tripped out sequence in the middle. I know everyone yeah, rumors Rob that Zombie. it's is it Rob Zombie? Rob Zombie drew. I that. didn't know if that was a rumor or a real thing. Oh, it was based real. on like, he didn't animate it. Yeah, of course, it was of course. based on his designs. Interesting. Yeah. That's some cool shit. Yeah. And like it's actually not that dumb of a movie. No, it, it's got it's, an interesting yeah. thing going it's on. It's operating on it. the level that Beavis and yeah. Butthead operates yeah. on. I, I don't think there's shame in that. And I like how everybody else is getting tricked by them, and they're completely unaware of yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good. Um, honorable mention for uh, the Jungle Book. We yeah. were talking about that earlier. Not a not a good story, but right. just for the animation. So mm. fun. And yeah. the music. Weird. And I the like music. jazz yeah. inspired yeah. era Disney. There's a lot of good tunes there. Yeah, and the way the music works with the animation. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Um, jazz works with animation because it is fluid like that. Yeah. It feels the thing with jazz is like the hardest thing about jazz is making it sound improvised, but also sounding precise and technical. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's that's animation to me. Yeah. It's definitely very pure. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's I mean, comedy you, you even. Can't, you can't it's got to be rehearsed. Yeah. It's like literally not possible. Mm. But, but it's yeah, got to feel make fluid. It feel like it's like it's the character is doing this in the mo- in this moment based on how they're feeling. It's mm-hmm. not planned. Yeah, so it's like that. And uh, I'll give my last honorable mention to The Beatles' Yellow Submarine. Ooh, oh, wow. I've never considered. seen that. It's trippy. Yeah. It was actually one of my favorite movies as a kid, so mm-hmm. that's, that's why it makes it up there. Even though the animation, when I, after going to animation school and rewatching it, the animation is really bad. Yeah, yeah. But the design is so good. And, and the, music. the non-Beatles voice work is a lot of fun. Oh, fuck. Yeah. yeah, dude. I love those voice actors. I prefer the way it is. Submarine <laughs> shape. <laughs> is it low key? What I love about that movie accent. is it was right after Magical Mystery Tour was like some shit. Yeah. And the Beatles were <laughs> yeah. like, we don't want anything to do with any of our brand movies. And then they all saw Yellow Submarine and they were like, we should. This is great. And yeah. there's the, the extra scene that they recorded, like the after movie, like postscript where the actual Beatle voices show up <laughs> because yeah. they loved it so much. Yeah. It's better with the voice actors they have. The Beatles oh, could not have doubt. done that. Yeah, they're yeah. Not that funny. Yeah, and there that is a really funny movie. It's yeah. time I rewatched that. It's been a long I've time. I've never seen it. I, I should check that out. Yeah. It's, it's cool. Even a non Beatles fan will just appreciate English shtick. Yeah. 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 And it's also one of those movies that just pure an, uh, imagination. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Pure imagination. Yeah. Come with me. Yeah. Come with me and you'll see <laughs> the land of pure imagination. Anybody want to lay down some plugs so we can get out of here? Um, well, you can find me on Twitter at Dan Scully, Letterbox at Dan Scully. Check out Cynadelphia.com to uh, read the stuff that I write. <laughs> Very good. So there you go. Where can they find you? Uh, if you want to check out some artwork that I don't get paid for, uh-huh. uh, check out my Instagram. It's underscore John with an H underscore guy. With an H? No H. Okay. No. Underscore. No more. Just. Oh, okay. My underscore name. John. Underscore guy. Underscore. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Yeah, I wanted to make it symmetrical, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when your name is John Guy, it's hard to get your name in things. Yeah, because I would imagine you are taken. ungoogleable. Yeah. Oh, I'm completely ungoogleable. <laughs> Sometimes I just like to see what other John guys have been up to. Uh-huh. Google myself. Uh-huh. Uh, anywhere else you want to direct people to find uh, to find your stuff? Uh no, I think that's it. Okay. Um 
And uh, apparently you have worked on a couple of shows people can find on Netflix currently yeah. as well. Yeah, I plugged those earlier, so yeah, there's yeah, no, yeah. no reason to... Good. Uh, Turbo, check it out. Uh, well, I will, I will plug one thing on Turbo. If you're going to watch it, the season two, the episode where they go into space, I did the second half of the dance sequence. I'm sold. Yeah. I don't, I don't yeah. know anything about it. We're probably going to watch I'm, that uh, before yeah. we leave tonight. Sold. Yeah. Sold. Yeah. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Philadelphia. That's with an F. Uh, I'm on letterbox.com slash Philadelphia. Uh, I write for farsightedblog.com. I have occasionally done some things for Philadelphia recently. And um, you can find our show on Twitter at I Like Two Movie. It's numeric two, facebook.com slash I Like Two Movie, numeric two. And uh, find us on iTunes. Leave us a review. Let us know what you want us to watch. Send us an email, I Like Two Movie at gmail.com. Tell us what you want to hear us talk Send about. Send us your lists. Yeah. We'll read your lists. Yeah, definitely. Send, if you have a list of your favorite animated movies, please send it send in. Send it our we'll way. We'll read it we'll on the air totally next time. totally talk about yep. that. Yeah, 100%. And uh, we'll be back in a couple of weeks. I think we're finally going to come through on uh, talking about Humongous, the documentary about uh, uh, Mad Max cosplayers mm-hmm. uh, that a friend of mine directed. So I can't say some things, but I have a couple things lined up that I think are going to pan out that I'm you'll enjoy. I'm pretty so excited we'll about a lot yes. of those things. So I also, can I just do this? This Please. is going to be all for the Philadelphia Fringe Festival is coming up. Oh, yeah. And um, I, I do have uh, some people that want to be on the show that we'll talk about after Please. this. Um, namely, and it reminded me, the Tribe of Fools would love to do Roger oh, Rabbit with us because they're doing for Fringe great. Festival a parkour-inspired, Black Mirror-inspired, noir-inspired uh, play called Fishtown. It certainly sounds um, like a Fringe show. My girlfriend Jenna will be in it, which is partially why I'm plugging it, but it's also because they did a show last Fringe called Antihero. Oh, yeah, you love that. I was that. simply floored by it. Yeah. It just... It covered so much of what we cover in our show and applied it to live stagecraft with parkour. It was very impressive. So I'm excited to see Fishtown. And then also, uh, wait to hear the name of this play as part of the Fringe Festival, On the Rocks Productions, who do a horror play every year. Um, they're doing a horror movie-inspired play called <clears throat> The Groom's a Fag, The Bride's a Cunt, The Best Man's a Whore, and The Maid of Honor Just Hung Herself in the Closet. <laughs> And that's going to be, I see their play every year, and you really don't want to miss it because it's, the first year someone fucked a disembodied vagina, <laughs> and it was hilarious. So it's that's the kind of thing, and you know, if, if we have horror fans out there, you should probably check this out. So check out On the Rocks Productions. That's also at Philly Fringe. That. So yeah, please check it out. You don't want to miss these. They're going to be cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, we sign off the same way every week, John. Uh, I think you'll pick it up as we go off. My name is Garrett Smith, and I like to movie movie. My name is Dan Scully, and I like to movie movie. I'm not picking it up. What do I do? <laughs> uh, what's your name? My name is John Guy, and I well, like you, to movie movie. <laughs> we all know that you like to movie movie because we, we like to movie. movie.